0: Welcome to Fandom Power.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to uh, another episode of uh, Fandom Power. My name is Wes Arscott, and I'm joined once again today by our uh, super producer, the wizard behind the keyboard. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes like that; Ooh. it's all true. Andrew Daw, yo, and uh, once again, all the way back out uh, in Halifax, co-host extraordinaire, the man on the mic, Hank McLaughlin.
2: What's going on, fellas? World, how are you?
1: Before we get going, I just want to say, if this is your first time uh, joining us, thank you, thank you for choosing us. Your entertainment options are wide and varied in the fact that you've chosen us that means something so hopefully you stick around and of course for everybody else who's been along with us for the long ride you know what this is about <laughs> today we are going back to star wars no surprise <laughs> We had a vision. I don't know what you I don't know. We keep saying we're not a Star Wars channel or not a Star Wars show and yet here we are.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we can sort of lean that direction.
1: So this well. time it's uh it's Star Wars Visions. It's the anthology series that uh, recently uh, premiered on Disney Plus. I guess it was uh, what September uh, September 22nd. So yeah. we're within we're within uh, a week around a week or that. So. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody's had a chance to cover it uh, certainly uh, if you've not had a chance to watch it. I, I do highly recommend it. I guess that's my sort of initial thoughts are it's confirmed to be a non-canonical anthology series, but at the same time, it's interesting. The it's stories are uh by and large uh, for me anyway, uh, I would say that 8 of the 9 episodes are they're really good. <laughs> I really like the whole thing as a as a whole. What did, what did yeah, you guys what it, did you guys think?
2: it raises some interesting questions too, but like where they diverge from Canon in terms of ability and, and style and things of that nature. I'm wondering if, are they bringing Canon, you know, is that what their, their springboard is? Right. So little things like uh, depending on the Jedi, just a Jedi picks up a lightsaber and depending on his connection to the force, the lightsaber instantly changes.
1: Yeah. That was an interesting, uh, yeah. So
2: that's like, that's a cool, that's really cool, actually. Um, you know, at the idea that 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 now canon that a, a red lightsaber is a former Jedi's lights crystal that has been bled. Yeah, and therefore that character in the first episode who, who isn't necessarily Sith but wields a red lightsaber is that he just found it, picked it up. Is was he able to bleed a lights? It was that his, and he's trying to turn it back. So it, it does. You know, there's a lot of. My initial thought was the uh, a comment you had about the last episode of season two of The Mandalorian, and that's, right. you know you could say that Star Wars is 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 good without lightsabers.
1: Oh, but it's but a whole it's lot better, better with <laughs> <Yeah. them. laughs>
2: And this is so lightsaber heavy. It is. It super, is super, super happy.
1: You know, I'm going to stick with lightsabers for a second because throughout one uh, one of the common uh, at least visual themes throughout all almost all of the episodes is that lightsabers in this, uh, anthology series are far more akin to the dark saber in terms of their overall shape. We're talking about, you know, uh, really edged, thin edged blade. blades, right. Not that, uh, conical tube of, of yeah. energy. So it's kind of cool. It's a little off putting at first, but then it's like, okay, I get it. You know, we're, we're talking, you know, a lot of Japanese culture and, and digging into the, the samurai lore. So it made sense to me, but then it's like, you know what? The Darksaber is thin just like that, so it's no stretch of the imagination for me. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I think today uh, we're going to take a, a, a sort of a holistic look at uh, the whole thing as, a, as a, is an anthology. So we're going to sort of talk about uh, the whole thing. It's not going to be necessarily a, a big deep dive, but I uh, thought it'd be nice to get together and uh, kind of chat about what we liked, what we didn't like. And uh, what do we think about the series? Sort of how it relates to uh, Star Wars, Star Wars that's come before, and Star Wars that may be coming. So let's get started with the first one. Uh, this first one it's called uh, the Duel, and uh, the internet buzz around this one is that this is uh, pretty much the front runner uh, for uh, fan favorite. I think it's not my ultimate favorite in the series, um, but it's actually it's it's pretty cool. I'm going to borrow from uh, the Wikipedia because I feel like the, uh, the breakdown here is a little bit longer uh, than the one that's on Disney+. So if you've not seen it yet, spoiler, set in an alternate history, 20 years after a war between a feudal Jedi empire and a renegade Jedi secret sect called the Sith, a lone wanderer known only as the Ronin witnesses a legion of former stormtroopers attempt to besiege a small village. The Ronin fights the leader of the bandits, a self-declared Dark Lord of the Sith, armed with a heavily modified lightsaber, while his droid saves the villagers. The Ronin, a former actual Sith, lures her into a trap and kills her. The Ronin, shown to be collecting red kyber crystals from each Sith that he has killed, decides to give the leader's crystal to the villagers, citing that it can ward off evil. Uh, this one is uh, uh, is written by... Oh, what was the name? Oh, I mean, you know what? Takashi Okazaki. I was going to say, you're really going to have to be super forgiving here because my Japanese is not very good. So as Andy said, written by Takashi uh, Okazaki and uh, directed by Takanobu Mizuno. So, uh, hey, Star Wars Visions. I probably should use the uh, media that we have at our, <laughs> at our fingertips. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, there I'm it sure. is. There's our title <laughs> card. And... uh Kamikaze Duga. So that's the studio. Andy, you any notes on the studio? I do not have any well, that's notes okay. on this
3: particular one, no.
1: I should probably start out by saying that my, uh, my last foray into anime that I actually sat down and watched an entire anime was like Samurai seven. So like right around 2007, 2008, unless you include Castlevania. <laughs> it's been a while yeah. since I've chewed on some anime.
2: I feel like I'm a pretty bad anime fan lately. One of my the, one of my top ten films of all time is anime. Which yeah, is Akira. Yeah, and I feel like I'm. I don't pay. I I, I subscribed to two anime streaming services and almost never turn them on because Netflix is anime heavy now. And but I I feel like I've been doing the genre a bit of a, an injustice. And this really actually reminded me why, even outside of Star Wars, I love anime.
1: I felt like overall not just this episode not just the duel but the the whole uh, the show in general the the whole series also was a reminder of why I also enjoy anime and it was you know even arguably the weaker episodes because I mean each episode wi- varies wildly in terms of style and tone and yet it's all anime and it's all it's all good in its own right. That's the issue. The, Absolutely. I don't want to call it an right. issue, but that's, I guess that's maybe one of the standout things about anime is it's such a, uh,
2: it can vary greatly.
1: Yeah. It's such it's, a weird encompassing style
2: for people, not in the, the sort of the loop, uh, like anime is so animation is so mm-hmm. culturally different in Japan that it is here. You, you, you have, more animation on sort of their broadcast tv than you do live yeah. action yeah, yeah yeah you have you have animated sitcoms and romance stories it's it's just it's culturally it's it's a lot different and so just like live action tv where we have 500 different genres shot in 500 different styles yeah you're you have that in japan where there are it's all tv or all entertainment if you will under that same sort of bubble but there are infinite styles in, and and I really feel strongly too that like, the Star Wars in the, undeniably has strong Japanese roots. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Of
2: love for the, and this is so much like coming home. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, the Macquarie uh, concept art for a lot of the of you know Star Wars seventy uh, seven definitely uh, samurai influence. I mean, it's it's undeniable. You know, in characters like Darth Vader and his armor and and of course you know the a lot of the 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 tenets or the the concepts around the force you know kind of go around that sort of you know uh Buddhism and ancestry worship and all of the things that kind of go along with it mm-hmm. all right so what what do you guys think about uh the duel itself?
2: I like it <laughs> <laughs> uh, good opening
1: uh, statement sir. <laughs>
2: crazy strong one to start with big yeah,
1: time so big time
2: I had problems with the first two after this because I was like the whoa <laughs> I would have maybe shown these in a different order maybe because I'm out. but then I I started to re-watch them and re-watch them. was yeah. quite short yeah stuff? and I found something to love about every one of them but this so one did I in particular yeah, yeah. I loved the I loved the black and white I loved the the lone wolf and cub style thing going on mm-hmm. i love the the juxtaposition of the black and white against the lightsabers and blaster fire when that was color it was always
1: uh white were sort was of sapiens tonally the way the way that they chose to interject color in this it was very striking and it wasn't just Fantastic. it wasn't just red i mean we get lots of that i mean no we, we see it with uh i mean with the uh what is that lightsaber supreme what do we call that the ultimate uh, party umbrella was that yes <laughs> the umbrella
2: yeah and it's the umbrella just a that's one of the cool things about that is it's just a yeah, filter you yeah, pop yeah. on your lightsaber, which turns it into this. Man, and I and we, I think my favorite thing is so minor. My favorite thing about this episode is the straw hat that the droid is wearing.
1: Yeah, we talked, Andy and I talked uh, about I that while we were sitting here, touch. kind of pulling That's the images. So out. Nice. And I said that I said that I said, is that one lightsaber or is that like nine? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and you had said you right. had suggested An that attachment. it was a like a like a like a prism or something that had diffused it all the way out to the. Right. Those other yeah, emitters. Yeah, she
2: pulls it off or it gets knocked yeah, off. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
2: just an object, and she has a single-bladed lightsaber.
1: I found that to be, like, really, really cool. Talking more about the color here, I mean, look, at there's a, a version, a take on the old Death Star droid with the, uh, the Gatling blaster. Old painless. Yeah, old painless. <laughs> uh, did you guys have any issues trying to place this one within sort of the timeline? I know it says that it's post-kind of, you know... I, I didn't
2: read anything about it, but I certainly saw the, the first order stormtrooper helmets. Yeah, I was going to say that kind of, of uh, other things. Yeah. Smattering of other things. So if it places us anywhere in the timeline, we're certainly well after. Yeah. 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 The fall of the emperors in rise of Skywalker. But we took t- ex stormtroopers from that. Yeah. And we're, we're even further in the future.
1: When we were doing the bad batch or the fan batch review series, and we were talking about animation and animation quality, and we were talking about frames per second. As I watched this episode, a lot of this episode, I actually I actually questioned, is this rotoscoped? Is there some rotoscoping in this? You know, like how they did the Lord of the Rings uh, cartoon or Fire and Ice uh, and some of those other productions where, you know, maybe there was some rudimentary acting that they just drew over top. Because we- a lot of this, like the the troops disbar- uh, debarking their transport and a lot of the, the ground battle itself looked like that's just too smooth too fluid
2: well i i have two things i think uh and i hope there's maybe a gallery episode regarding these to give yeah. us some more insight but yeah i think that uh probably around 90 percent of every episode certainly there were cg elements but i think this yeah is hand animated. i, I kind of question that animation. too yeah.
1: i question on and, that too and then the
2: second thing and this might be very controversial to people out in the crowd but Japanese animators are just better than we are. They're amazing. <laughs> They're yeah, amazing yeah. at what they do. They've been doing this for centuries, like nuts. You know what I mean? This is their bread and butter.
4: Right. I mean,
2: like, we're probably better at hockey than they are. You know, but these guys... fair statement. It's it's so culturally, you know what I mean? Ingrained um, in the culture. And one little, like, sort of, like, anecdote is I, I dropped out of second year animation school at Sheridan College. Yep. And uh, I... I went to go back after working for a year, you want to make some money, then you went, oh, I'm going to go back. And what they did was they opened the school to foreign submissions. Yeah. You really want the best of the world at your school, and it's one of the world's best animation schools. And I couldn't get in because I was literally competing with guys that had been animating for 20 years Well, that's... that wanted to learn the North American style. These guys are the top class animators, and it, it would not surprise me at all to find that 90% of this was, was drawn by hand.
4: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
3: Well, according to uh, one website, apparently kamikaze duga prides itself as a half-breed studio. So oh. they specialize in blending CG production and traditional 2D cell animation. Totally so,
1: see it. A yeah. A melding yeah, yeah.
3: of both, and this is your I'm result. still
1: I'd still be curious to know if there's some rotoscoping in there because it was just so And I mean you can say what you want about rotoscoping because there's like really good uses of rotoscoping, i.e. the Lord of the Rings, and then there's the kind of hokey Use of rotoscoping, i.e. Filmation, He-Man, Flash Gordon, etc., etc. Where they rotoscoped that, you know, the the running and some of the the other kind of stuff that got recycled over and over and over and over again.
2: Yeah. I mean, some of the early, uh, the new Star Wars run mm-hmm. starting in 2015, the new yeah. Marvel comics, a lot, like maybe the first 20 issues are literally them drawing over photographs. Oh, that's neat. So is it? yeah, is it or isn't it? Uh, and I like it, but yeah. it, it was quite controversial at the time.
1: What do we think about um, the Ronan character himself? What do we think of him?
2: I like
3: it. It's interesting. Mysterious. Yeah. I could definitely see us following, you know, a series, just following this guy around, see what he does.
1: Well, the Ronin is getting a novel apparently, so uh, we should be watching for that. And I should have maybe grabbed an image of that, but they've already shown the cover for it. So Very cool. Does it challenge your idea of what is a Sith, and uh, you know?
2: I certainly was surprised to see him pull out a red blade.
1: I think we all were, and I mean, uh, we can go back so, to the, the lightsaber discussion that we were having earlier and talk about sort of, you know, where you know, philosophically speaking, where does this guy fall on the uh, good, uh, the light of darkometer? And I would say that he's still on the dark side. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. It
2: Makes sense if you could, if you were born into the Jedi order and trained yeah. and raised in the Jedi order yeah. and you fell to the dark side, it would almost be empirical that it could go the other way too.
1: Yeah. yeah and we're going to, we're going to see that in, another, to the good side. in a later episode. I mean, we're going to see that.
2: Right. And so, and then the other thing is with the Kyber crystals, like, you know, also the Jedi or the Sith idea that there can be, you know, it's a rule of two, but literally there can be only one. Yeah. So he's out there eliminating competition perhaps, but then he does, a good thing for the village so right to the point the where the you know Anakin, yeah right right
1: the whole uh, uh, it, line
2: from Anakin and revenge of the sith and from my perspective the jedi are evil so yeah yeah warding off evil is a matter of opinion.
1: there's some perspective there yeah for sure there is i just think it's cool that you know again the red lightsaber thing is so striking and it, and it clearly uh our our uh i can't even tell you what her name is because it doesn't really have one our sith villain Uh, Is also caught off guard at the sight of a red lightsaber. Mm She fully expected a green or a blue. Absolutely. So, you know, when he's, uh, you know, at the end when he goes to give the uh, the the lightsaber,
3: uh, the kyber crystal crystal to the to the the, to the
1: village elder, the the boy, and gives him that whole speech about how it wards off evil. I'm like, what a cool, what a cool character. I mean. Is it not? Correct me if I'm wrong, but canonically speaking, are Ahsoka Tano's white lightsabers not red kyber crystals that she's healed with the Force? I she's repaired that. them. She's and
3: purified them. Could that be the case here, where he is a Sith Lord that is now
1: he just hasn't bothered to, and he's on his way. This is to what I mean. Like he's, like I feel like it's definitely a, a redemption path, but he's just right. hasn't gone. You know, all the way, and it's, and again, of course, that whole idea of the Ronin, the masterless samurai, that with a personal code,
2: that's pretty freaking
1: cool. That he's out there walking right. around openly displaying a red lightsaber. Uh, and you
2: could interpret Dooku as yeah. a sort of oh yeah, yeah 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 vested interest in the power of the dark side, but right. not Necessarily wanting to step through that Sith door,
1: right? And I mean, here's the guy maybe that just went that extra step further. And is now on his way back. He's trying to trying to right. pull it back.
2: And and if we are in our timeline, you know, maybe five, ten years post uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, the the Sith Eternal are probably scattered everywhere throughout the galaxy.
1: You would think so. I would. Right. I would think so. You made a uh, what I I put a um, I got an image here somewhere. There he is. So there's the Love the uh, the straw hat thing. Uh, I got to point out once again, we talked about this notice right to the left of our astromech droid is the most versatile droid in the universe. So look at not only not only is this Gonk droid uh, hooked up as a power source, he's also running the hot plate that's boiling the water. (laughs) 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 Uh, It's hilarious after all the stuff that Gonky went through in the in the Bad Batch. But this astromech droid gets, like, uh, arguably one of the most cool hero moments in the series uh, when he rescues the villagers with this little, uh, I guess, micro... Robotech stop. Yeah, yeah, micro-missile <laughs> barrage. Yeah. Andy had said, would you say Andy, whistling birds? Yes. Yeah, very much mm-hmm. so, eh?
2: Full missile salvo.
1: <laughs> it's exactly what I thought at the same time, too. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I it's hard not to focus in on the whole the elements of the uh the lightsabers in this one, because like not only do we have the uh the Mary Poppins saber umbrella, but we've got this idea that No, he's carrying two blades. He carried a long blade and a short blade, yeah. very much like a traditional samurai. We never did see we never did see the short blade. And in fact, we thought for a second it was the short blade in this scene where she actually gets uh gets her comeuppance, but it's not. Right. Strangely enough, the sword scabbard for his long blade is also a lightsaber, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which I was like, "Wait a minute, that's really cool."
2: Yeah, yeah. Thinking, yeah. They both wield it like it's always lit and it's inside a housing. Like, you know, like I actually just hanging on your belt. I
1: contemplated that too. I'm like, "Is it on all the time? Is there some kind that's of crazy?" What I yeah. Some kind of crazy thing that they just leave it on and it doesn't just melt through. What is that native? Right. <laughs> Can we make
3: armor out of the scabbards? Yeah, really. <laughs> Beskar scabbards.
2: Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh good one.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then we get, you know, as the as the episode closes, as the you know, the village has been saved and uh and we get that reveal that he's been, you know, collecting kyber crystals, hands it off to the uh, the village, the chief there. And we get that, you know, very samurai. There's your lone wolf and cub moment, Hank, as they uh, kind of walk yeah, off totally. into the distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was um, that the was the duel. duel. Definitely a high water mark. You know, they come out very, very strong in that one. And then we move into uh, what I actually on my second time around. I actually really, really like this one. We get into uh, Tatooine Rhapsody, and uh, this one. This one is by Studio Colorido. It uh, is directed by Taku Kimura, and it is written by Yasumi Atarashi. Oh my God! I hope I'm saying that right. I <laughs> hope I'm not offending anybody, and my apologies if I am. So, in a battle during the Clone Wars, a uh, Jedi Paduan named Jay attempts to escape from the war, only to stumble upon a hot named guy. Guy offers to take Jay in if he becomes the lead singer of Gee's rock band. Star Waver! And, uh, sorry, I couldn't help myself there. <laughs> so Jay accepts, and years later, during the reign of the Galactic Empire, the members of Star Waver are hunted by none other than Boba Fett. Uh, Fett eventually captures Guy and reveals that Guy's relative, Jabba the Hutt, wishes to execute him due to Guy not wanting to be part of the family's crime syndicate. J. Uh, inspires the other members of Star Waver to go to Tatooine and attempt to save Gee. And they manage to convince Jabba to let them play one more song together before Gee's execution. The song is loved by the audience and Jabba ends up becoming the band's first sponsor. (laughs) Got the tail going there. Uh, So, I mean, Certainly, uh, this one is way, way more lighthearted. It doesn't start that way. I mean, that opening shot of the uh, phase one clones kind of facing the dirt with yeah. uh, Jay clearly running for his life. And then. Which uh,
3: lets us think maybe this is right as Order given. I feel like, yeah. Given.
1: I think so, because there's even that, like, there's that uh, audio sort of montage of a bunch of, like, like someone getting killed and, the, you know, somebody getting shot. I presume, you know, that, uh, Jay's master went down in a, in a, you know, mm-hmm. in a blaze of glory. And, uh, I presume this is him just making his escape from, uh, from the clone army, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, I mean, uh, what do we do? We hook up with, uh, Guy and the band. There they are, Star Waver. And, uh, what a cool, you know, overall, just a cool little episode in, uh, the one thing I wanted to talk about in this episode is we've seen like it's one thing that Star Wars doesn't really focus a whole lot on. It's just like what the rest of the galaxy is doing. What does the average citizen do? And we've seen entertainment before in Star Wars. Like we saw like the we saw them gambling on Canto Bight and we saw, you know, an opera on Coruscant with the Emperor.
3: We've seen the Cantina Band.
1: Well, this is it, right? And and <laughs> to see like a full-on rock concert like that is just like you know reminds us that star wars is more than just you know space wizards and laser swords right right and yet there is a laser sword in this one too so it's still good <laughs> anybody this uh one had, yeah, go for this it one
2: had arguably the biggest voice actor
1: i was just going to talk about that yeah yeah so yeah. uh we by now uh if you haven't figured it out the uh voice actor portraying uh, or the actor portraying Jay is none other than uh Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So it's kind of cool yeah. that uh he gets to uh exercise some chops there, gets a couple songs in on this one. We got uh
4: It's
2: funny too because you can see the the Japanese original lyrics translated into English and he's singing it's strange the lyrics are a little strange like Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's kind of funny like it's that whenever you listen to uh that translated theme song from your favorite anime. Yep. yep. Yeah. It does never make sense. Strange (laughs) lyrics. (laughs) Yeah. So it was a sort of, I don't know if it was a nod on purpose to that, or if there was a direct translation from the Japanese, but right. Right. That was kind of, that was kind of my, my funniest. I enjoyed that bit. Uh, Yeah. I, I I really wasn't drawn to this episode. much. Really? Yeah. First
1: time around, it was kind of like, it made me smile, but I was just like, yeah, okay. on with the next, give me some more like sword stuff. But really, sitting back and watching it again, and I mean, I wasn't really, I wasn't taking notes when I watched it the second time around. It was like, I just want to be fresh so that we could have this conversation today. But I really, really, I really enjoyed this, like way more than I did the first time around. And I think maybe because I was just maybe a little more more thoughtful towards what was happening. But like, you know, the, the... Anime is good for this, and particularly children shows. My granddaughters over this weekend, and when I went home yesterday, they were watching the My Little Pony movie, and I was thinking about, you know, the 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 new My Little Pony and how like the message of friendship and uh, is is predominant throughout. And then we, I started watching this, and I'm like, man, this is almost superfluous that way, where you know the band is so inspired, you know, by their friendship that they're going to risk their lives to go and save their friend. Right, and I thought, right, you know, right, what right. a great what a great message. Which is
2: a uh, central crux of Star Wars.
1: Right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. But even, st- even stylistically, it kind of it kind of works, right? Because it is a more kid-friendly animation style. Yes. You know, yeah, the heads definitely. are a little... You see the size of Boba Fett's head on him? He looked like a bobblehead, right?
3: There's been a line lately of action figures coming out of Japan. Yeah. And they are highly stylized with the larger head, this smaller head. body and... This would be a great fit for that. I guess so.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Nice. I did watch the Boba Fett armor because I was like, set a new paint job? Is there a dent in the helmet? I was yeah. To place the yeah, sort yeah. Of the story in time a yeah. little bit. I did that with every one of them actually. So,
1: I like this episode that we actually got to see uh, some other characters that we were familiar with. Particularly, we did actually get to see the Cantina band actually shows up yeah. in a, in a scene, and we got to yeah. see in the special. Huh? Can they even call it the special edition anymore? I guess it's the the current version of Star Wars when they redid sorry, Return of the Jedi, when they redid James the, the, the Max Rebo band sequence. They added a new female dancer. She's got some crazy oh, yeah. she's in there. Yes. Yeah. So. And then, of course, the you know, Old Faithful. I mean, we get an appearance by Jabba, using some of the original Jabba dialogue from Jedi. Yeah, Bib yeah. Fortune is in, the in there. Of yeah. yeah,
3: we get some Gamorrean, yeah. Gar- Gamorrean guards, yeah. weak ways, and all of the things. That's straight into characters that we're familiar with. Dude.
1: Yeah, in, in, uh, and
3: on top of that, Tamira Morrison back as Boba. Well, Zay. that's the other thing too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Unmistakable. We're at Mos Espa. Maybe because, they're in front of another pod I race I mean, here. well, this is it. Is this like a pre, you know how like. Pre-show. You, yeah. Or, or like or the half-time, halftime show. Is this the halftime show at the, at That's the Bunta? That's a good
2: gig if you can get a, if you can get a halftime show at a pod race. At the, the Bunta,
1: big yeah, big yeah, yeah. At the
2: Bunta yeah, Eve Classic. I think that would be a, that'd be a bigger band. That's pretty cool.
1: Do we think Jay I, I, actually turned his lightsaber into a microphone?
2: Yes. I like the idea when so. he tried to ignite it, it was like. oh, And shit, it fizzled new, out. D, I need new D batteries or yeah. something Or, or we could, you know, dive. Is he that disconnected from the force that I
1: had the same questions as well. Do we think that Jay has abandoned, you know, his former life as a Jedi completely in favor of I'm going to be a rock star? Possibly. You know how many? You know, Hank, you as a as a somebody who is passionate about music, who is who is a music creator, can appreciate. You know, like you've wanted to make music since you were a teenager. You know, that is, yeah. that is a lifelong thing. And I mean, if it, it hits in the right way, like the difference between making music in your garage versus making music, yeah. you know, for millions of people.
2: That's and it. It can't eclipse the rest of your life if you let it. <laughs> so I, I can understand him going, yeah, Jedi are cool, but um, yeah. I, yeah, it's yeah. weird feeling off of music. And yeah, it's actually, I, and I imagine it's for a lot of musical artists or even regular artists, you've got to temper your real life because it's easy to just dive deep into that and
1: forget mm-hmm. the rest of it. Oh, Ahsoka! I just <laughs> knocked Ahsoka over. Oh, Ahsoka. We get a nice... Uh, I, I forgot about this, but we get a nice moment going back to Boba Fett for a minute. We get a really really cool shot of of uh, Slave 1 here chasing them down. Mm. The other thing I liked about this, and I, I don't think we get an image of it. No, that's just Boba watching them escape. They're... I guess we can call it space truck.
3: Doubles as a stage. <laughs> their space
1: truck is also the stage. Yeah. <laughs> they just roll up with the they, venue, poof, open the doors and go.
2: So I was thinking that was a nod to the, uh, the old Ewoks cartoon. Um, oh, really? Now, not a spaceship that turns into a stage, but do you remember, I don't know if like if either of you have even watched it on Disney since it's been back out, but there's a couple of episodes where there was a troop of actors that came through oh, wow. the forest and stopped in the, and their traveling circus. If yeah, you will, yeah. Yeah. Was on a was on this creature that and that would become the stage. They all that's interesting. So it was. It reminded me of that kind of thing where you you perform where you live, but you bring your. You think of the through, through
1: uh performance, yeah. The uh the, what it's I don't want to say old timey, but I mean really Those like the, think back to like Wizard yeah. of Oz, right, where everything or the 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 typical charlatan salesman where it's literally rolls right. up with a horse drawn wagon, flips open the uh yeah. the, the sides and dun, 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 or traveling uh I know it's really not kind of popular now, but go back far enough, like traveling puppet theater.
2: Right. You know, right. that Laura's that a sort great of great idea. Uh, for the next Halcon, uh, yeah, if things go according to if we it actually gets off the ground. Um, and that's, uh, she wants to sell, uh, she makes steampunk goggles. And yeah. And yeah. Cool. Stuff. Cool. But she wants to dress up like a cigarette girl from the 50s. Oh, wow. And walk around with a tray. Yeah. 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 Crowd yeah. selling stuff instead of having a booth. Oh, like, wow. So that's kind of, that would be. I Not only does it, idea. you know, and
1: satisfy your cosplay need, but also your vendor need. <laughs>
2: right. And so it's kind of the, the same vein, bringing your stage with you while you go.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really cool.
3: I think it was bed knobs and broomsticks where they first meet the uh, traveling doctor and his uh, case. He puts down the lamp, and and then the whole thing just flips out. Yeah, yeah,
2: Yeah. it's like a micro version of that.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like the big tooth.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's super, super cool. So, I mean, overall, uh, for me, s- totally endearing this episode, I just, I mean, I love the idea of seeing, you know, other aspects of the Star Wars universe where it's just life from ostensibly everyday citizens. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah.
2: I did like that it was a straightforward kind of grunge rock song. Uh, and that yeah. they weren't trying to be too space or like crazy notes or some arpeggio that we don't yeah. doesn't you know it's, the fact that it was something that we could all groove to
1: they don't like even what actually. what was the what was the, the name of the instrument that uh uh the the bat the, whatever the thing that woody harrelson he's like i'm gonna go oh the valacord. they weren't trying to make it like crazy they weren't trying to star right. wars it up the right. bass guitar had right. four strings yeah. the lead guitar had six strings the drums looked like drums
3: except they were like right. tripled up for him
1: absolutely yeah can we talk about yeah. him for a second do we have a shot of him must be in here talk about our drummer he's a three torsoed alien yeah. creature now that to me i cannot think of any other time we've seen anything like this no certainly no, not I'll in star wars yeah. a little there yeah so part of the uh you know there was some talk early on when uh, this was coming out sort of from the fan community that this might be star wars take on uh what if so even though they've said that this isn't uh, canonical, does this not, in your mind, open up other storytelling opportunities? Where, hey, maybe we'll see a three torso dude show up in a live action thing.
2: Maybe. And a lot of people on the internet have been talking about it too. That this this is proof that Star Wars can work out of canon. Oh yeah, so of course it can. We can have can. a one shot movie about whatever the hell you want, and it could work.
1: I, I completely right? agree and with that. It
2: doesn't have to be connected to everything else. Like we like that, we love that, but yeah, we also could separate ourselves and just have a one shot, a one shot. And this yeah, is yeah, sort yeah. of proof of proof of uh proof of a uh, purpose.
3: And literally they've just connected it by like Jabba, Bib Fortuna and your regulars. That's on Tatooine. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. Those are the, and they're just there because that's where they're there.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we close out the episode with, uh, you know, Jabba. we're going to give you one chance to be our first sponsor. <laughs> and then the crowd gets worked up and they're like, one more song, one more song. And uh, yeah, the band goes off and gets to play one more song, which is kind of cool. So
3: one of the other t- kind of wraps up the episode, though, right? Because like in it the does. beginning, they're like, you know, we've yeah, never been able lasts. to finish a set. They yeah, the bounty hunters always catch up.
1: Not only have they never finished a set, they've never they even talk about they've never played anything this big. Yeah. So you know, it's a it's a double whammy for them. Yeah, which is super cool. I mean, if you were a young kid, because let's face it, I mean, they're all re- young for. You know their respective uh, spots within the, the the episode. That whole thing about uh, dreaming about I'm going to be a star one day. I'm going to be a music star one day. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The other big tropey thing in this is, uh, and I think we've seen it before, a hut that did not that goes against type that does not want to be part of the crime syndicate.
2: That's right. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and like sort of thematically, yeah. Like Jabba looked very much like Jabba, but he the uh, you know guy had the big. Weird eyes pushed together. Yeah, shoved center, together. You know? Big mop of we've hair. have seen stylized <laughs> huts before with zero. Yeah, oh yeah. Things yeah, yeah. like yeah. that. So, yeah, it's nice to see there's a little bit of variation across the species.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So that kind of puts a wrap on uh, Tatooine Rhapsody. Then we move into arguably one of the weirdest, weirdest and cannot dare say wonderful episodes of the, say so. of the series.
3: This is one of my favorite
1: ones. Yeah. So we get into the twins here now. So uh, Trigger, Trigger, I don't know anything about them, but uh, this one's called The Twins, directed by Hiroyuki Imashi and written by Hiromi Wakabayashi. And so uh, in the aftermath of the Empire's defeat, the remnant of the Imperial military begin the construction of uh, two conjoined star destroyers that house a large super laser capable of destroying planets. Using Sith Sith Alchemy, they are also able to create two Force-sensitive biological twins named Kare and Am, who they then train in the dark side of the Force. Uh, The twins eventually become the leaders of the Remnant and plan to use their superweapon to destroy the New Republic. However, Kare goes rogue on the day that the weapon is supposed to be fired due to him having a vision of the future involving his sister's death. He also steals the large kyber crystal that powers the super weapon. Am confronts Kare outside of the Star Destroyer in space, and they duel. Uh, During the battle, the crystal is split in half, and Am uses a piece to power a metal exoskeleton. Using his X-Wing and the power of hyperspace, Kare is able to destroy Am's sliver of the crystal and the super laser. He then crash lands on Tatooine and vows to rescue his sister from the dark side. There is a lot thematically going on in this. There is the whole. We've talked about it before when we were doing. Uh, we were talking in the in our Order sixty six series and talking about sort of the connection. The uh, and this is stuff that that they talked touched on when they were writing the the sequel trilogy. The um, oh my god, um, the twins, the the Force twins, the uh, the Ashen and the Bogan. Right, All those concepts like come like full circle here and it's like, oh, or the Ashla and the Bogan, I should say. That's not, I said it wrong the first time. But the whole, uh, you know, diametrically opposed, uh, you know, one is good, one is evil, can't have one without the other. Lots of uh, of uh, sequel trilogy vibe in this. A lot of sound effects were very uh, sequel trilogy. I know that uh, a lot of the saber signature sounded like the Kylo Ren, the, the dirty saber, I guess you could call it. Yeah. What would you guys think of this episode?
3: I liked it. I liked that it deviates from your normal. Like, it Big sets time. aside, like, you really have to suspend disbelief at this point because, like, they're fighting, you know, unarmored in space.
1: Yeah, you know what? And I we talked about this sort of offline previously, uh, and, and I'll say this. Once again, for good or for bad, the sequel trilogy established that maybe this isn't so so far off for Star Wars when Princess Leia was able to, you know, through the Force was able to save herself. True. Do you know what it means? So these I mean, two
3: are shown to be like crazy,
2: powerful wickedly, the wickedly
1: force. powerful, like powerful, like yeah. Star Killer powerful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: There's two things that sort of stood out for me in this, and they're not one of them isn't necessarily like even about the show, but yeah. in the weirdest way. The character's ability to ride on the outside of an X-wing and cut a, a light a star destroyer in half in with a half. lightsaber yeah. while traveling through hyperspace lets me know that Ezra Bridger is actually still alive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that he, you know, that for whatever reason this is the canonization of uh, Ezra Breacher can breathe without it yeah exactly cuz uh, people
1: yeah i was going to say if you'd forgotten sort of that finale of rebels i mean that the the windscreen the 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 viewport on that ship it was yeah. destroyed like it was exposed to atmosphere so
2: and the other thing is a sort of a uh, an easter egg to the jonathan Daly novel winter of the mind's eye oh yeah which is the idea that you could run a power suit off a of Kyber crystal. Yes. And the, 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 the premise of that novel is Vader trying to find a Kyber crystal to, in, to integrate into his, which, cause it'll give him 10 times the force ability. That's right. Yeah. And he's Eve. That's the first time we get force lightning in any Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. Is Vader wielding Force lightning in a splinter of a Mind's Eye? It's also the. So I thought that was a really yeah, cool nod. To yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It is the origin of the of the term Kyber crystal. Only in that novel, there it's a singular thing. It's a it's a singular. Force relic. It's not a it's not a naturally occurring mineral that can be mined. Right. But as you say, it it amplifies Force ability like exponentially. Mm-hmm. It's also the it's also the novel where Princess Leia actually has a go at Vader and cuts his arm off.
4: Hmm. If right, you, and
1: if you've yeah. never read it before, you should read it. And I, and I say this, I know we're getting all, we're getting aside here, but um, F- *Splinter of the Mind's Eye* was written at a time when they didn't know that there were going to be any other Star Wars movies, so they actually right. write the book with this undertone that the romantic the romantic relationship is actually between Luke and Leia. So it's it kind of yeah. it's kind of neat that way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so then good. read it, and then send John Daly five bucks for God's sake, Brian Brian Daly brian, brian daly. daly story that's brian right daly. yeah. john daly's a different guy yeah send brian daly money yeah, <laughs> disney shot on that guy
1: uh loved the armor did you guys like the armor in this
2: uh, uh, tony stark man like the idea that iron man can be powered by a carbon crystal what if star wars and marvel come on guys
1: yeah 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 i love the uh the heavy heavy vader influence yes. on both both suits big
2: time big time yeah yeah
1: it's a curious though like What's the pre the predilection with the Vader thing? Like with with Kylo Ren, it was you're my grandfather, I'm gonna finish what you started. I kind of you know follow in your footsteps. But what is it with these two? They're just a creation. They're biologically or or they're essentially they're they're clones created out of the dark force. I guess so.
2: There's a culture though. If you if you canonize any of the Darth Bane or the Darth Revan stuff, yeah. You, there's a culture of the Sith wearing wearing masks. Yeah, which I find. Uh, is neat because in the uh, in a few episodes we're going to turn that on its head.
1: Yeah. So are we saying that this is just a visual thing for us to make that connection because that that I mean is very Vader esque, right down to yeah. the chest box and the the triangular snout.
2: And also the uh, the Japanese influence of the armor and the and the idea that and the anime influence of the bad guy being ominous and all these things. Yeah. It's layered and it's classic, and and it certainly works. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's take a look at that. Uh, do we have shots of the duel out on the? the we hole, do have a couple. Yeah, of those. let's take a look at that and talk about that for a minute, because that's certainly the, the high point of the episode when they finally decide that the you know they can't, he's not going to get away because yeah. she's essentially pulled him back with the force trying to yeah, pull there, the crystal back.
3: There's where it kicks off. He gets yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. kind of cornered by the entire force there. Yeah. And then uh, she's going to take it by force. But I didn't get a shot of it before. But there's a scene right before this yep. where he f- uses the force to, to just blows shred the
1: armor right the armor off of right him. Off him. So here's the thing, right? I mean, they they talk about the uh, the armor being powered by Kyber, and 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 other episodes in this, particularly the one that we're going to talk about with the uh, the changing lightsaber colors. Yeah, you know, red is bad, and and blue and green, and and other colors are generally good. Like, is that a reflection of like? The uh, the the character within, maybe almost like the kyber crystal is fueling the the evil within the the character, right? Where he's you know come out of it. Kind of ironic that they uh, they both have white hair though.
2: Yes, it uh it doubles down on the idea that there's a symbiotic relationship between the lightsaber and the, the wielder.
1: I think so. Yeah, right? I think so. They
2: they kind of you know even though she's not technically a force wielder, when Sabine becomes more familiar with the dark saber, she she notices the weight changes. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It, you know, so something something symbiotic between the crystal and the wielder.
1: Also. I think so. good. Uh, let's have a look at the uh, the twins. There, there. The uh, that's her. Uh, that's uh, Am trying to uh, recover the crystal, trying to yeah. rip it out of the X wing. And she's um,
3: literally just pulling the crystal. Yeah, back.
1: nothing else. <laughs> so... And- <laughs> Ironically, she can stand in the thrust of an X-Wing. Yeah, and pull it back. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, I mean, Crosshair could have learned something from her. True. <laughs> right. Right. Let's go to the next I one. I don't want
2: these two in my regular Star Wars because it's over if they are. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: let's talk about this, uh, this for a second. Notice on the right-hand side, we have Kare, who's essentially our good guy, and he's using a traditional display of Force lightning. Blue Force Lightning. Well, this is it. The traditional force lightning is blue, or white centered, blue rimmed. Uh as we right. first saw in Return of the Jedi.
3: And and uh, side note here, another big name. MPH. Uh, oh, that's Neil right. Well, yes, Neil Patrick Harris. Harris that's
1: correct. Yes, you're right. Uh Alison Bree and uh yeah. And John who John LaPau. Jonathan John LaPau, Yeah. What's the deal here, go on what's going on here? Because the the whole like I just, I mean, is this again just a visual thing, good versus evil? I would think so. Do you think so? And maybe it's just super, us, yeah, as and fans. It's, it's
2: super classic that you know, it, like that looks like a uh, a poster for the Last Jedi. You know it how totally could be. Oh were, yeah, yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like it. They were they doubled down on the red versus blue, if you will, which is yeah, yeah. You know, just very zeitgeist and stuff.
3: So. Well, her still in her dark armor, and that's right.
2: Surrounded by the Sith Red. And,
1: and he's completely Ray. shredded it and yeah. now is just full on.
2: But it makes sense that born of the dark side, he could still will. Still,
1: well, I mean, and Ray is our, is our conduit to that where she inadvertently did it without even trying.
3: Hey, Yoda did it right, back in Attack right, of the right. Clones too, though.
1: He didn't, he redirected.
3: He caught and threw back.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is clearly, he's generating that. That's right. But then there's you get that feedback loop, right? And, yeah. uh, Clearly, that with the armor being powered by Kyber, it must be, uh, yeah. it's got to be painful. <laughs> Yo. Ouch. Yeah,
3: but once she manages to uh, integrate that half of the crystal into her armor, they're doing some crazy stuff with well, it. Well, this like... is
1: just it. I mean, lightsabers now can do... We can do uh, lightsaber whips. We're talking about, uh, you know, as as role-playing game enthusiasts, what's the craziest thing you can do with a lightsaber? And I got to say... Uh lightsaber whip is uh right up there.
2: <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty mental. Yeah.
1: Is it as mental though, as yeah. you say, as riding the nose of an X Wing and slashing a uh a, a, a conjoined Star Destroyer in half? <laughs> and that yeah, scene I mean,
3: uh it echoes right out of uh Last Jedi.
1: It's totally the Holdo maneuver with yep. lightsaber. <laughs> right. yeah. a lightsaber. Right. I gotta say though, I liked it. I really did like it.
3: But at the same time, like dope. The surgical precision he took in that shot, because like, yes, he's cutting the star destroyer yep. in half, but he just does enough to like ching and take the crystal. Right. What I
1: found interesting in this and one, and his is, lightsaber is like three. This is it, <laughs> like the the connection uh, between the the wielder and the saber. Uh, clearly, uh, in in this particular one is uh, is intrinsically linked because the to be able to like push the blade to that length. Uh, <laughs> it looked like a gout of blue flame, really.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: I had to say that I, uh, I, I, I did enjoy this one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then uh, you know we we kind of round this one out with uh, Kare sitting uh, on Tatooine, staring at the twin sons, and and he makes his vow that uh, he's he he's going her. to rescue her at some point or or save her. I yeah. guess ostensibly Wait, how, save how her the hell from did herself. Like that? <laughs> well. <laughs>
2: That's a great landing. I fight.
1: think he may have rolled it a few times and uh, come up mm-hmm. that way, maybe. I don't know.
2: I'll accept that. There you go.
1: Got to save her from herself, I guess. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, so that brings us to, and I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I have to say right now, uh, Village Bride, that's my favorite episode. This is my favorite episode of the of the entire thing. Still my favorite episode, even after the rewatch. It's a great episode. It is a great episode. Mm-hmm. You know what I really like about this episode is that uh, we've talked about it before, but we've talked about uh, alternate force using traditions Mm -hmm. and we get exposed to one right in this episode, you know, that they have a, a, it's clearly the force, but it's a very different connection that it's the whole living in harmony with the natural world and how they are able to influence it. And it influences them. I thought that's so cool. So years after the, uh, the great Jedi purge, a fallen Jedi uh, named F (laughs) is drawn to a remote planet by an explorer named Valko. Valko explains that uh, bandit raiders have reprogrammed old separatist battle droids and are holding a village hostage. The village uh, chief's daughter, Haru, and her fiancé, Asu, intend to surrender to the bandits as collateral the following morning, while Haru's sister, Saku, wants to fight the bandits. The next morning, the bandits reveal that they have captured Saku and attempt to execute her, but F and Valko intervene and kill all the bandits. F then departs the planet. This one, uh, it's uh, directed by Hitoshi Haga, and it is written by uh, Takahito Onishi Onishi and Hitoshi Haga. So yeah, super cool episode. Uh, get to see this uh, F, this essentially Jedi Padawan, and we we can assume she's a Padawan by the braid that she will Mm -hmm. uh, eventually cut off. Hanging out with with Valko, who... Initially, his who he was or his relationship to her wasn't immediately clear.
2: No, no, a little vague. Yeah,
1: yeah, but still and, has uh, that you know fits that wiser mentor yes. kind of role for
2: her. Turning the the trope of the mask. Yeah, on his, yeah, yeah, on yeah, yeah. As well, too.
1: What do we think of this one overall? I liked it. Yeah,
2: yeah, really. Yeah, liked the, it. Uh, the yeah the the fight scene was dynamic.
1: I absolutely loved it. I loved the idea that, uh, you know, we, we explored sort of some of the themes of this in our in our uh, fan batch review about seeing the the uh, post-war uh, from multi-perspectives, depending on the world, a republic world versus a separatist world. Yeah. You know, and here we are where, you know, some backwater planet that doesn't mean anything to the war effort, but, you know, these bandits have capitalized on left what's over, left uh, over.
2: Separatist droids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that you know. was nice. And the, 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 I mean, the, you could have rotoscoped over the separatist droids in this episode because they they were, there was no stylization, stylization to them all. They were like drawn straight. straight the,
1: yeah, they, the they were like straight up like B1 battle droids. B1, yeah, yeah B1 yeah. battle droids.
3: Wonderful. It is kind of weird that everybody on this planet, though, is connected. Like they all have that connection. They have
1: that rudimentary connection to the land. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they even go to, so, so far, uh, uh, Haku, the sister, or Saku, when she says that she wants to fight them, and she says the land is on our side. Yeah. You know, like, does she know that? Does she really feel that?
3: Well, when they go up there to uh, seal their vows and whatnot, and they're yeah. given that vision of the planet crumbling.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: And, you know, maybe that's the world telling them, you know, don't don't just give up
1: what I find really challenging in this one is that, you know, the village elder has, you know, the her father has basically, okay, like he's going to allow it. Like you want to surrender to them to save the whole village. Okay. I'm like, what kind of dad are you?
3: Yeah. Especially when she's like, you know, I'm taking his place. Yeah. It's like, no, you let the older one go.
1: well It's kind of tropey that usually it's not that way. It's like, like we saw it in uh, in the movie Dragon Slayer, where they were they were offering up sacrifices uh, uh, sacrifices to the dragon, but the king had kept the daughter's name out of the lottery for her entire life. So right. when she finally goes, she's fixed the lottery so that it's only her name on every lottery tile. Hmm. You know, it's usually that's the trope. It's the you know people of privilege are protected because of the the influence that they have, and in, and in this one, Dad's like sure. Yeah. Sure, you can go. <laughs>
3: well, it's similar to uh, Clash of the Titans where Andromeda is like chosen as the king's daughter to be sacrificed oh, right, up right, to the right, right. Uh,
1: the Kraken. The Kraken, yeah. yeah.
3: But uh, you know, you see them chilling at the wedding reception and
1: did you get a shot of the uh of the bandits themselves? I did get that. I so, got them
3: just as they're laying down fire and uh, stealing droids.
1: So here's a, here's a good I I wish we had another shot of this. Um Big big Easter egg moment in this one. Did you guys catch the uh, the Knights of the Old Republic Easter egg in this episode? I did not. The ship I that they know. get off, the ship that they uh, are come on, is essentially the Ebon Hawk. Yes, well, yeah.
2: yes, yeah. It's definitely my favorite ship in the whole. Yeah,
1: show. I mean, it's a big Carillion, yeah. Carillion ship. I mean, the the top down, yeah. it's got it's the like circular some kind of YT, right? Yeah, it's definitely a a, a Carillion Engineering cor, uh, Corporation mm-hmm. ship, but it's like oh, with the big. The big square bull nose on it and i'm like that's the ebon hawk which is essentially and the, the
2: end was pretty dope too
1: yeah so that's another thing highly modified i might add z uh, z95 headhunter the precursor 95 headhunter precursor sure. to the uh to the x-wing fighter uh does not come standard with a hyperdrive mm-hmm. uh but clearly she's modified it so i thought that was pretty cool
3: aftermarket parts Yeah.
1: We get to the uh, we get to the, the the fight here at the end where she finally uh, we learn that her master is actually from this world.
3: Yeah, he has roots um, there. Yeah, but pre- there is uh, the precursor to the fight which is uh, Saku throwing down her
1: Oh yeah. Shawl yeah, in yeah. disapproval. She's like super super peeved.
3: <laughs> yeah. But apparently it doesn't work for her cuz she gets captured.
1: Right. And so then we have that moment where in execution style Yeah, Uh, Bandit leader's about to, you know, draw down on her. And we get that. uh, We get that Kylo Ren, The Kylo Ren moment where the the blaster bolt's just frozen midair.
3: And not only does she freeze it, she throws it back at him.
1: After she has a whole monologue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is like so villain. But I'm like, that's awesome that the hero is just going to do, 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 do. I'm going to tell you a whole little monologue. Yeah. Cuts her braid off. Yeah. And then flips it back at him, which was uh, super, super cool. And then, uh, without well, him
2: too. She just disarms him with, him yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And then, uh, don't forget, uh, mecha boots, yes. her little mecha boots as she uh digs in for the charge, yeah. And Lauren's
2: uh, favorite moment of the whole show. The, <laughs> oh, really? The charge, yeah, she, no, the, the mecha boots, the mecha boots, like, yeah. I love the shoes, yeah. I yeah, yeah, the shoes. yeah.
1: <laughs> and there again, so d- as we mentioned earlier, the uh, profile of the lightsabers throughout this uh series so very much yellow lightsaber. Yeah. So let's talk yep. about yellow. Let's talk about saber colors for a minute. And uh, yellow, certainly in uh, Legends, we don't, I don't think we have, no, we do have a canonical appearance with uh, ray's homemade staff saber is yellow.
4: Okay. But uh, yeah.
1: the idea of a yellow lightsaber uh, kind of crept up in Legends, again, in Knights of the Old Republic. And uh, yellow is typically associated as the color of um, Jedi Sentinels.
2: Hmm.
1: Jedi Sentinels yeah. and Move. Jedi Temple Guards.
2: If you had the toy before you saw the movie when you were a kid, yellow lightsabers are totally, you know. Luke Skywalker, (laughs) yeah, yeah. That's how it was, man. Yeah, Obi-Wan on the box, the the actual image of Obi-Wan on the original, his uh, lightsabers. On the the packaging, yeah. On the packaging. I'll
1: tell you this, I had both of those figures, and I'm not going to lie, I often pulled the blade out of Obi-Wan's arm and shoved it into Luke's, because it just made more sense. Yeah. Obi-Wan's going to die partway through the movie, so he's not going to be needing this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, but, you know, F is such a cool character, uh, especially when she, uh, the idea, again, alternate force-using tradition. So she's a masterless uh, Padawan. She cuts her braid off, so she's just now, I mean, it's not like she's making herself a knight, but she's abandoning that, that idea of, I'm not a student anymore, and maybe there's room for her to go off in an alternate again, alternate force using tradition and and develop mm-hmm. skills that we've never seen before. So just that whole, uh, the exploration of that character coming to terms with, you know, being a loner in the galaxy and not having the, absolutely the, the tutelage of a, of a, a master or a parental figure that w- is yeah, so common vibes from her. Yes. Vibes from her, yes, sure. very much. So the super, super cool character. And, and for that reason, this one is a uh, like I said, it's my favorite episode.
3: Well, you do have a, a sort of parent type thing in the Valco. In Valco,
1: yeah, in, I, I suppose like, so. The entire yeah. episode,
3: he's kind of like goading her. Come on, get off! Like you've been yeah, on the back yeah, bench yeah, yeah. for long enough. Get up and do something.
2: You know, but he does I, I kind of wondered what could that have been? Her master, like I initially, that his, that's what I thought too. But, but I thought like a like a pseudonym or a veil or yeah.
1: with the big uh, trash can helmet. I'm like, what's he scanning for? What's he looking for?
2: pretty much like a medieval
1: knight almost yeah, yeah 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 and
3: that thing was multi-purpose too uh yeah as oh, it uh rocketed rocket in into-
1: <laughs> <laughs> what even you, and you were wearing that on your head the whole time yeah was, I, I thought that <laughs> what if you push the wrong button how dangerous is that <laughs> just taking it off you well that
3: too and he's got multiples of them because at the end of he's the episode he's got another one yeah yeah, yeah.
1: What, did he rebuild it from the wreckage of the ship? Well, he's got a stockpile. <laughs> I guess Maybe it's so. Baskar. Maybe he just Maybe. went and picked it up from the wreckage of the ship popped it back on. Well, there you go. He had to, he had to hammer it back into shape, though. <laughs> awesome. Bring me oh, my anvil. Lord. lord. All right, where are we now?
3: We are coming up on Episode 5. Episode the 5. The Ninth Jedi.
2: My favorite episode.
1: This one's got a lot of cool things going on in it. So what's this one? This one is directed by uh, Kenji... Kenji uh, Kamiyama, and written also Also by by Kenji Kamiyama. Uh, So many generations after the Jedi Order had become mostly extinct, Margrave Juro, the Jedi ruler of the planet He-Islan, invites uh, seven seven Jedi to his aerial temple in order to receive lightsabers whose design has been lost to time. A Jedi named Ethan arrives at the temple and meets the other six Jedi. They are then greeted by Juro's droid, who presents the first lightsaber to Ethan and promises that the others will arrive shortly. On the planet's surface, the sabersmith La Jima finishes constructing the other seven lightsabers, including one for his teenage force sensitive daughter, La Kara. Suddenly, hunters working for the Sith arrive and capture Zima as uh, Kara escapes with the lightsabers. Kara finds transportation to the temple and presents the lightsabers to the other six Jedi, who reveal themselves to actually be Sith members wishing to assassinate Juro. As the Sith close in around Ethan and Kara, Juro's droid reveals itself actually to be Juro in disguise, and he helps them defeat the Sith. Alongside one member of the Sith, who turned to the light side, Kara and Ethan join the ranks of Juro's new Jedi Order and set off on a quest to find Zima, who is being held on a Sith-occupied planet. This, uh, above all, maybe the Ronin, obviously, or the the Duel, but this, I think, is another one that could work as a standalone, uh, whether a series or a comic series or, hell, let's just do a whole animated series on just this.
3: Well, they definitely leave it open enough to continue the story.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Visually, this one probably has the the is what i would say is most appealing to me visually in the, in the anime that i've gravitated towards uh you know as a kid you know battle battle the planet princess
2: mononoke style yeah, yeah
1: i really really dig this one what do we think of this one overall
2: my favorite and i'll tell you why and not because of like the surface stuff my favorite because we got a stru- we got a planet that things originated on we got a a a, a an ethereal being that has a plan for a major event that's yeah. happening, it, yeah. Then we get uh, an individual hero. We get uh, like we get the, we get the setup and a fulfillment. We get some two twists, yeah, and we get a crazy battle at the end. This one is more rooted in Star Wars for me than all the. It ticks all the boxes for me for Star Wars. Yeah, and that's like that's why it was my favorite. It felt like the most like the other ones were cool, but they felt a little bit like samurai wielding swords well, yeah sure, felt sure like a star wars animation more than more than the other ones
1: oh cool not. yeah yeah i can certainly appreciate that interpretation too like it definitely fits we were just, just talking. the way
2: that we started out with like here's the planet here's the guy here's this plan here we go and i was like oh that's that's the crawl
1: yeah you know, yeah yeah got, yeah absolutely
2: at a stronger narrative than all the rest the all the rest had their story don't get me wrong but you yep. had the strongest straightforward narrative
1: I like, you know, it, when we were doing the the Fandalorian series and we were really like we were just popping when we were seeing like alternative uses of technology, like the uh the adats being modified into like uh gantry like uh cranes and stuff. We just love that stuff. Oh yeah. And what did you guys think of the uh the, the mining cable the trebuchet mining cables from the planet's surface? Fishing in space. Yeah. <laughs> space fishing cool. space fishing. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, and that's the that's the idea, right? We're like, like live on Earth. We're starting to send, you know, satellites to to uh, objects in the space and bringing back material. So, and it's a gateway to mining in space. And so, it's neat. Yeah, I love it.
1: So it speaks to, uh, and I, I don't want to get too caught co- because again, space wizards and laser swords. But it speaks pretty cool to the idea that Kyber must be really, 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 really dense that it didn't burn up on entry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's really cool.
2: Some fantastical, mystical sort of properties for sure.
1: The idea that there for is sure. a... Uh, what do you think of the idea that there is a, a guy out there whose sole purpose in life is just to build lightsabers?
2: Uh, and that's, that's a very Japanese uh, take on uh, sword building, swordsmithing. Right? Like, yeah, you know, the, the uh, Hattori Hanzo. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. From the Kill Bill. Yeah. Uh, uh, movies uh, like that's that's very like. The idea that not just a Jedi can create it, but that it's so highly specialized that only one guy, had a, you know, a that
1: it's a, a lost art form and that only this guy can do it. It's not lost on me that uh, in this scene where he basically, you know, finishes the last one, turns it on and it's immediately blue. Like, oh, you, right. you're, a For- you're a force user. <laughs> right, right.
2: Uh, oh, which is, you know, which is because you see him wield the force and she's surprised later. That's but- right. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about this episode is just a small thing is that when the lightsabers change hands, the, there's an immediate connection between, it's almost like a USB. There's an immediate connection between the force user and the Kyber crystal. So it changes colors instantly. And that's kind of where we colors uh, mid wielding, depending on where you should.
1: Right. And that's kind of, that kind of deviates from the canonical sort of uh, way that we understand lightsabers being a highly personal thing. So. What a cool concept that it's, uh,
3: that he has really built like them it. to be this way. Do you want
1: to, I guess we can call them the, uh, a variable, variable maybe. Cause he even says mm-hmm. like color yeah, and blade length will change depending on the wielder. Yeah.
2: So he is yeah. tweaking these to yeah. his own design. Yeah. 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 And when she first picks up the blade that he hands her, it's kind of, it's kind
1: of green, but it's nice. mostly transparent.
2: Yeah. Right, it's like a little yeah. dark saber esque, and then the yeah. blade, the the length. She's like, "Am I controlling that? Is it just happening?" And then, yeah, I I, I assumed that by that that she was an outstanding force user. Oh, but then she right, was like, right, "I right. guess my connection's not good enough yet. One day it'll be a solid." Copy. Right, right, and then right. Later, right. like, but I just figured it. She was better. Like that. Like, isn't a sort of almost invisible variable length lightsaber cooler? <laughs> like, it's certainly lo- it, uh, visually speaking, it, it is cool. Green in the battle, like. Powers probably, you know, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They, they flourish
1: very well, much. So yeah. the
3: variable length thing goes back to the twins, right? With I was going to say yeah. from you know a lightsaber to a blowtorch.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I mean I think this in... this episode actually shows shows us that there is some relationship to the the rest of the anthology. Mm-hmm.
2: I believe the variable length thing comes from the Return of the Jedi novel you have there. I believe Vader's uh, in fact, lightsaber yeah. is variable length.
4: It is, in yeah. That
3: yeah. novel, yeah, yeah. 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 Or it could harken back to the power of the force figures where some of them came with longer
1: sabers. and well, that is true. that is true. that's true. yeah well, yeah, I yeah, mean and y- Yoda's lightsaber is is uh, scaled for his for, him, yeah. for his uh, size, so right. so yeah, I mean uh, We've got a guy here who basically is, uh, you know, our our swordsmith. We've got uh, the daughter of the swordsmith who's now been entrusted to get the swords uh, to where they need to go because our bandits, who are agents of the this Sith budding Sith Empire, have shown up to stop this.
3: Stop it and or take him to make their own Sith. Sabers. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But and I, uh,
3: I,
2: I love droids and clothes. I, I, are crazy, f- are I they are they droids?
1: Are they droids
4: or are I they armored are no. people?
2: Could be, yeah. Like, the hat style way, is the, definitely the, the reminiscent, image, like the cloak and the hats. Yeah, of um, that bounty hunter from Clone uh,
1: Wars. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about him before, and yeah. his name is escaping me at the moment.
2: Yeah, me too, actually. Bad but, uh, hosts.
1: <laughs> but
2: there you get her uh, almost yeah,
1: transparent yeah.
3: lightsaber as she cuts through one of the bike things that are chasing her.
1: You know, somebody who said Fantastic. that, you know, her skills or her connection isn't that great is uh, pretty agile when she's ripping yes. across that ice, uh, oh, that dude. lake at breakneck speed, leaps off of a moving speeder bike, slides it out, and then able is able to dash at a charging speeder. She's like Yeah, runs right at him. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and I
2: never once, and maybe it's just that I'm more more used to strong female characters in animation because that's that's always been a thing yeah that's that was never not a thing in animation right in in, in anime yeah um i don't get any mary sue vibes or no no about this like the people had with ray this works super super well
1: yeah i i would agree with that i think she she man the the role that she fits for this episode as the I don't want to call her the the messenger, is that right? The messenger, the yeah. the courier.
4: She's the courier. The courier? courier. There you go.
1: She yeah, takes it very seriously and and she she does her job. And yet still leans into those anime tropes when she gets to the droids where Good. she's you know that and it comes through an anime like the whiny kid thing like come
2: on, you're the only come on. And yeah. It's the classic hero myth too. She yeah. she steps out of her comfort zone and she's thrust into a world that's much bigger than she realizes and yeah, she has to cope yeah, yeah. with that. It's it's very Joseph Campbell. I love this episode, man.
4: Yeah.
1: That uh, you know, droids have a a sense of humor in this one or or at least an overt we get the the joke in it. You know, I mean, here you are on a, a presumably this world must be cold all the time because I just assume that that droid is ingesting hot fluids to keep from freezing up
3: otherwise you know <laughs> since when did droids start drinking coffee well this is
1: what i mean yeah. like you look at the, the it's gotta
2: be hot oil
1: right the, the ra- ra- yeah you
2: seen from a new hope mm-hmm.
1: you look at the rack of other droids beside him and i just assume that they've just shut down because they couldn't stay warm yeah and i assume or that's, that's what got he's doing
2: maybe that's that's alcohol <laughs> <laughs> they're
1: all related to bender yep
2: yeah i do it that's perfect quit
1: touching my stuff bender, Fender, back, lender gender <laughs> it's his brother's
3: to, yeah, she gets them, and he takes her off to the space temple.
1: Like the vibes of the temple, uh, I mean, there's some there's some Tatooine in there with the uh, the 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 shape of the the tower uh, yeah. on the left hand side there. The broken dome thing,
3: uh, that's kind of weird. Is uh, the dome made
1: of Kyber crystal? I don't though? know what it's made out of. But again, here we are with that. We can breathe in in a, in in a space. vacuum. Yeah.
4: yeah.
3: Uh, we get the other kid though, the Ethan, and he's got the mm-hmm. message from uh, the Margrave.
1: That I thought was cool. That the Margrave has sent out these little uh, invitation discs, basically. I guess call them we call them pucks. I mean, that's yeah. kind of a, a- acceptable yeah. term now. Sends these so, pucks out to uh, you know however many corners of the galaxy. Now it it almost sounds like they like you said they're invitations, so that they were sent to specific people. How powerful is the Margrave? To sense
2: that force yeah, from yeah, that yeah. far away. Exactly. Yeah, and then sense their mailing address. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, then we get uh we get one of our twists as
3: uh um, he's handed a saber and uh
1: Ethan is like, Can I hold it? And just fortunately that, that's that stays with him. He's the one him. that takes it yeah. stays with him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: Because when he fires it up it goes blue. Yeah, it's totally but, blue. Right? Uh, when La Cara hands out the rest of them and you get the right. Reveal. And,
1: and uh, she's talks about knowing the Margrave for her entire life. Oh, you know, the Margrave, do you know where he is?
3: And well, then they all turn.
1: Wife. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or, yeah.
3: I guess not turn, but reveal. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's reveal. like, <clears throat> that that does not look like a, like a square dance. I want to be in.
2: No, <laughs> that was a, that was a twist. I didn't see it coming. Neither I had, did I. I. And one of the things about the twists in these two, I have to say is that I was, my expectations weren't stacked. You know what I mean? I was, I was fairly open to everything. Right. So the twists resonated, whereas, you know, with something that you're well versed in. You might pick apart the twist. You might thought I've got a better twist, but with nothing invested in any of these things, these twists really worked, especially this episode.
1: Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And then the other thing, like with, uh, your Darth Mauls and your Anakins and whatnot, when they're fully turned and their eyes go. Yes. None of these guys, their eyes haven't gone yet. But is that just because we're post-Jedi order or whatever and they're not as strongly connected to the dark side? I don't know. Or maybe they're still trying to prove their worth to the dark side? I don't
1: know. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, the the idea of being dark versus being Sith, I think that's sort of the, the eye thing I think we can safely say is a Sith Trait, not necessarily a dark sider trait. Yeah, right. I right. mean, look at the. I'd have to go back because off top, off the top of my head, I don't remember any of the Inquisitors having. Did they have yellow eyes as well? Do you the, remember the Hick? Grand
2: Inquisitor? The, the Grand, Grand Inquisitor,
1: Inquisitor did. Yeah, interesting. So maybe there's there's some gray area there where it's not you know a hundred percent explained. But does it have to be?
2: No, no, no. I mean, no, no. <laughs> then it would be Star Trek.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then what? We get uh we get the Margrave I was reveal. gonna say do we get the reveal he, on the, the uh, uh, he
3: hops out of the droid and then uh he's been hiding out in twist. yeah. Then he commences to throw down with these uh dark users.
1: Take a look at and that the uh to see
2: the, the mask, the, the trope.
1: I was gonna say, the... I mean, have yeah. a look at that mask with the red eyes. Great. And I mean, yeah. how do you not like go, is are we sure he's a good guy
2: even? Yeah.
3: <laughs> right and then we get to see uh lockara finally establish her full connection yes and the saber goes full green full green yeah and she's no slouch no she's holding her own well i guys, mean look at look at, at her time. back
1: at the at the uh at the forge when uh, yes. the remote the training remote fires up and and like what half a half a dozen shots and she like it was nothing yeah but and she, then again, she
3: outdid Luke right there. Well,
1: <laughs> it's so true. His ass still hurts. <laughs> oh, that's so funny.
3: Uh, but then you get, uh, one of the final face-offs here between the Margrave and the, uh, Sith guy. Yeah. And again, we're throwing yeah, yeah. lightning.
1: And it's big time red lightning and it gets through. Mm-hmm. It does. It gets through. He's actually, uh, hurt, I guess, or, or temporarily phased by that. Yeah. Um, but
2: he's conjured some kind of shield around himself, like his whole body is glowing yeah, green. Yeah,
1: he's yeah, he's limbed in something. We get the shot of the one fellow who pulls back, and uh, the Margrave actually knows it called him by name, yeah. and I don't remember what it is.
3: So it's possible that he was actually a he was one of the Jedi that was one of the invitations. Yeah, yeah.
1: And he says, you know, this isn't you, and he's like, I'm sorry, I got caught up in the darkness of of the rest of them. Right. Yeah. And at but, that
2: point, his saber turns purple. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's like, oh, you're so in Sam Jackson territory. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, and then the idea that, like, you know, based on your emotions, mid wielding, you could move through that, like, the let's, spectrum. Look, let's use the Lu- the Luke Vader fight from Eternity. Yeah, Jedi, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could see Luke having his saber turn red during that last scene. What, right. And then right. turn back green when he throws it at the Emperor and says, yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I'm a Jedi. So I, I really like the idea that there's an instant connection with the.
1: It's cool. With the saber. It's definitely cool, and it certainly uh, it gets you thinking about the 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 wielder's connection to the force and where they are, as you say, on the spectrum. I guess. Mood sabers, right? And
2: it, <laughs> it doubles sabers. down a little; like it, it reinforces. <laughs> it's it's more direct, but the idea that the crystal calls to you when you're a Padawan, and then yeah. you, there's one crystal per user. For, yeah, 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 right.
1: Whereas now these crystals, I mean, certainly, if we if we sort of try to if we try to wrap this into the 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 uh, the conventions that we know or that we understand about canonical lightsabers, means that the smith had to have attuned them, and how how that what that process was so that they could be variable, that is a whole interesting uh, new use of the force that we've never seen before.
2: We've seen yeah, masterless a Jedi going now. together in a cut scene. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> we've seen masterless Jedi. Now we have, we have yeah. uh, userless sabers.
1: Yeah, unattuned, 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 unattuned tuned, variable, tuned, yeah. <laughs> open, tuned. <laughs> All the musicians watching are laughing right now. <laughs> plug and play, plug yeah. and play, <laughs> plug and play. Sabers. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. So this one uh, ranks pretty high on everybody's list. Uh, yeah, yeah, mine too.
3: I liked it, and then. uh, we end with the uh, the symbolic.
1: We opened with that as well. I don't you know didn't if you noticed.
3: We did open, but it wasn't ignited.
1: It it, it wasn't as long. No, you can still see the light coming out of it, but not.
3: Now you get the full on uh, space saber.
1: Yes, the the whole like uh, like the uh, order has been relit. Very much so, which is kind of cool. Love it to remind us that it is you know in fact <laughs> like we needed any more reminding that we are <laughs> watching a Star Wars property.
3: Yeah, this is lightsaber planet, and there's the saber.
1: All right, we're moving on here now. What are we going on to? We are Uh, going
3: on to episode number six, Tob One.
1: Tob One. And initially, when I watched it, I was like, "Oh, it's the Astro Boy episode." Yes, you know, because heavily influenced. Yeah, very much so. But the second time around, on my refresh, it's pretty deep. It is. It's really, really deep because uh, you know, first off, this this episode really challenges our ideas of what is a Jedi and how does you know. There's a there's a um, a line from um, uh, Professor uh, Metaka who talks about the force is in everything, not in all living things, is in everything, which mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. So, well, what, what do we think of this one?
2: I like this one. I like this one a lot. Uh, maybe my least favorite in terms of the skin. Yeah, I almost couldn't get past the skin it was in. Uh, sure, sure. But definitely, definitely had a different perspective watching it the second time. So yeah. Yeah, and and uh, and focus more on the uh, less on the superficial and more on the the deep stuff that was going on in the story. Yeah, it was good, uh, especially the especially the, uh, the the combat, which was uh, much more stylized and chaotic than the rest right, of the right, combat in the other episodes. Well, here, that let's, was my favorite part.
1: Let's get through the uh, the synopsis here, and then we can get into a little bit more. Shortly after the Great Jedi Purge, a droid named T O B one Toby lives on a deserted planet with his armless creator, Professor Mitaka, and dreams of becoming a Jedi Knight. (laughs) Do uh, androids dream of electric sheep or what? (laughs) There we go. So, one day Mitaka tells him that in order to become a Jedi, he must find a kyber crystal so that he can forge a lightsaber. TOB-1 scours the planet but finds nothing. He defies Mitaka's orders to never enter the basement, discovers a starship, who I want to talk about that in a little bit too, and accidentally sends a signal that alerts a Sith Inquisitor to their presence. Mitaka reveals himself to be a former Jedi and hides both TOB-1 and his old lightsaber Hilt. When TOB-1 leaves his hiding spot, he discovers that the Inquisitor has ransacked Mitaka's lab and has killed him. TOB-1 continues his research and successfully terraforms the planet, but is confronted by the Inquisitor. Upon fixing Mitaka's lightsaber, TOB-1 is revealed to be powered by a kyber crystal and designed by Mitaka to be able to wield the Force. And lighting the lightsaber, uh, he kills the Inquisitor in a duel, then departs the planet to explore the galaxy and uphold Mitaka's legacy. So what do we think about droids as uh, Jedi?
3: It harkens back I, to I, uh, the thought that we you had discussed there, Hank, back in uh, our Fandalorian about R2. R2 being Force-sensitive, yeah. yeah.
2: Yes, I, I love the idea. I mean, there's a moment in Empire Strikes Back when Yoda's explaining the connection between things to Luke, and, and he says between the rock and between the ship, and between the land and the water. But yeah. there's the one thing that doesn't fit in there is the ship. The ship is a, is a, a, a man made material object. Yeah, yeah. And so at that moment, I went, everything has the force. Yeah. Like the molecules that make up the universe have the force. Yeah. And so yeah. droid wielding uh, lightsabers and, and casting lightning or, or levity, it all works for me perfectly. I always viewed droids as a second, like, like, that like, the L three three seven Revolution was one of my favorite. Yeah, mine too. Star yep. Wars, because I've always thought that joy's been shat upon by it, just Star Wars society. Right, you
1: know? that's right. Uh, they have. So they the really have.
2: Right, and to the point where they self, you know, three P O can't stop calling people Master.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Even back in this series itself, I know we didn't get an image of it, or uh, we got the the one of the bandits in the duel is actually riding around. He's basically gutted a probe droid and is using it like mm. a speeder.
2: Yeah. He <laughs> looked like a dog too. He looked like some Bulba. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He did. He really did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we've got this, uh this uh Jedi master who's lost his arms, presumably in something very tragic and uh has taken a, a different turn. He's living quietly on this planet and he wants to terraform it.
2: And bring life and to it.
1: Bring life back to this planet. I mean,
2: yeah. possibly in the purge because we are pre a new hope, but still inside the, the that rebels era. Are of we inquisitors?
1: Are we? So here, I've, well, I want to talk about that for a second. Certainly, we're we're somewhere in the classic era because if you look at the the walls of the hut, the 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 actual hut that they live in, there's a visual narrative almost like pictograms. All over the uh yes. all over the walls. True. Where there's like a batch of A-wings flying around. There's uh, some Adats on the wall, and I'm pretty sure there's an image of a four-armed lightsaber-wielding villain facing off against a single lightsaber-wielding guy. And I'm like, right. is that General Grievous and Obi Wan, or Very is awesome. that maybe General Grievous and Mitaka? Maybe. Do you know what I mean? Like
2: they never so do say where like Grievous' the the sabers of- come from. Yeah. Yeah right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I presume just, for for an Inquisitor, it kind of ticked me off to where we were inside the, the timeline,
1: right? So. Well, we've only ever seen Inquisitors in rebels. So, you know, is there room for them to, sh- I hope, I seriously hope, uh, you know, that the rumor is true and that we do get Inquisitors in the Obi-Wan series, because I'd like to see sort of, you know, what, what is the, you know, they've,
2: they've cast the fifth brother.
1: Oh, that's cool. Then that's super cool. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Can't deny the, uh, the Astro Boy connection here?
1: Absolutely not. Right down to the the nub on his head. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, look at that big circular disc on the chest. So it's still, you know, grounds us in. Oh, you know, protocol droid has a, yep. has yeah. a thing there.
2: And at the end of the day, these are designed to bring new fans to Star Wars. So yeah, we, we really want these to resonate with with people who who's are the opposite of us, where we're Star Wars first and anime second. We yep. want this. This is the idea. This is a gateway drug to Star Wars. We want more fans. And so it's important that these resonate with the people that are anime fans first.
1: I think, you know, that it's okay. fair to say that Star Wars fans, you know, adjunctively are probably, you know, fans of animation. You know, maybe not necessarily anime, but I mean, I know that right. I'm I'm a big animation junkie. I love animation.
2: Certainly. I, I will watch almost any, I will watch that uh, My Little Pony thing you were talking about earlier. Yeah, I cool. love animation. Yeah, me too. Well, they do have a pretty good arc in that one,
1: <laughs> in the My Little Pony. They do, yeah, <laughs> they do.
2: And I mean, and in, 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 even if it's not something I enjoy, this I, I will sometimes I'll watch animation critically, having spent some time in animation school. Yeah, of though, course, so of course. I, I enjoyed the art.
1: So the idea that uh, he puts him on a quest to uh, go and find a Kyber crystal, uh, but before know?
3: that though, uh, pretty heavy on the Orbesh this. Oh yeah,
1: episode. yeah, yeah, yeah. I Want to talk about that? Pulled, what'd you What'd you pull out of that?
3: I pulled a lot of it. A lot of the characters are readable. But they've also got a lot of characters that I've never seen before and I could not find in any of my reference material. But a lot of the words come together, they're kind of like gibberish. So, really? Yeah, like Cortua and Aga, Sal, Agr, Permanencia, Desarolo, Datos. Uh, this one might be possible as satellite transfer, but two of the characters within transfer I don't mm-hmm. recognize. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kalorf. Nucleo, huh. Dro Tierra, and yeah, like
1: I mean, we think of like uh, Galactic Basic as being the English language of Star Wars, so I mean, maybe that it, it maybe it's just as intentional as any of the other things that we've watched, and the Arabesh translates into a different spoken, maybe it's a different spoken uh, language that they're just using the same alphabet for.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. it could be interesting to see whether you know because we are North American and we speak English, but perhaps there is a Japanese True. or a bash or perhaps there's a, you, you know, know it n- you know, never like, even occurred to me that that's possible. Think that, yeah. Right. So yeah. maybe there is, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, that'd be that's cool. That's hella cool. <laughs> yeah.
3: But, uh, the Pinocchio thing is not lost. Oh, I know. Either. I'm a real no, boy. No, absolutely. I'm yeah. a real boy. And uh, I think as far as new fans go, this one would heavily resonate with a younger audience. I think so, too.
1: No,
2: because you exactly. have... That's exactly what I was thinking before. You have a
3: young Jedi, like a kid, who wants yeah. to be a knight.
1: And, That's right. You know. You can't yeah, tell me that we all, didn't, and, yeah. we all didn't run around with a stick in the backyard thinking that we were, you know... The hero of our yeah. own uh, our well, own story.
3: He even goes upstairs with the other droids and they play Jedi. Knights. That's
1: right. Yeah. 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 That's right.
2: He yeah. He says after my chores, let's play Jedi.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Perfect. But uh, he gets tasked by uh, the professor there to go find that kyber crystal.
1: It's an interesting, uh, you know, go find the kyber crystal because the kyber crystal is what you need to power a lightsaber. And is, uh, there's one on this planet. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah.
3: You know, it's kind of a mean quest but <laughs> is it though well it's, it's a self-discovery quest. well this
1: is yeah so th- i was gonna say there's a lot of introspection here that's kind of needed you know and i mean toby is obviously written as a very young yes you know a young character uh i guess humanly speaking maybe what uh you know nine or ten maybe yeah maybe mm-hmm. even less than that
2: so the first thing he says when he comes when he wakes up at the very beginning of the episode is did you make me bigger today
1: yeah, yeah, after he got his, uh, what was it, his upgrade or his, yeah.
2: Just like a child, he's, he can't wait to be an adult or a teenager or the next the next step. Yeah.
1: So but presumably, this isn't the first time it's happened to him. No. You know, maybe he's already gone through some upgrades to get to where he is now, and that's the whole, did you make me bigger today? Mm-hmm. After, you know, having gone through it once or twice, maybe.
3: And it's kind of weird for him if being a droid. He's more closer to a child than a droid because he keeps getting told, you know, don't do this, don't do that, stay out of the basement.
1: It gives me this similar vibes to when, uh, uh Queel rehabilitated yeah. uh, IG11, and he had to like right. basically teach it how to do everything. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Suggesting that there's more like instead of just like typing a program into it, that yeah. there's more. There's more nurture involved they call it
1: uh what's the word we use in the in the in the rpg the heuristic processor the the heuristic processor in this droid must be like a big old blank slate (laughs)
2: yeah but again you almost get the the idea that he might have even found a way to keep his padawan's consciousness and put it inside do you think there's
1: something to that maybe i I mean he refers to it it as his
2: padawan later
1: that is true. In the uh, and the
2: Padawan's name is Toby, and the Droid's name is T O B Y. So, yeah, yeah. and after the right, yeah,
3: but uh, he does ignore that thing again. He goes down in the basement and finds that starship.
1: So, here let's talk about this for a second. Do you have the exterior shot of that? So that's a Incom T sixteen Skyhopper, <laughs> it sure. Is. And canonically speaking, that is not a starship; that's an airspeeder. So it's like a a jet plane is what it is, but. Super, super cool to know that apparently they can be hardened against the vacuum of space. <laughs> yeah. That's the and model. A great
2: nod to a, yeah, it's a toy that Luke's yeah, playing with. Uh,
1: yeah. The toy model, ship model that Luke is playing with in the garage in A New Hope is exactly what this is. In fact, right. if you look at some of the long the, the long shot across the, the, the gangplank into the Skywalker house, there's a yep. full-size Skyhopper sitting there. We don't ever get to see it on screen, but it's okay. there it's a, Assumedly,
2: that's the beggar's king.
1: Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the line from uh, a new hope where Luke's like, Oh, we used to bullseye womp rats in my T 16 back home. That's the T 16. Yeah. Perfect. It's kind of cool.
3: Uh, we get a reveal that uh, the professor's all force sensitive as he hides Toby away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And he's just, you know, pulling blocks out of the wall.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, tosses in the uh, two halves of the lightsaber handle.
3: Yeah. And oh yeah. And Toby was
1: like, you're a Jedi.
3: Yeah. And then he delivers that line. Uh, I am one with the force. May the force yes. be with you. Yeah. 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 And then again, this is why I think this one's more key to the younger audience. Mm-hmm. They don't show his demise. They just show no, the no. aftermath. Yeah. And yeah, even yeah. then this inquisitor is still uh, respectful of his opponent, I guess, because we've come to find. The time to bury him. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So you get all you need there. But, uh, Toby is determined and going to fix everything that has been and it destroyed.
1: Was, for those who are following along or haven't really been following along, it was immediately like to me, it was immediate that, Oh, that's an inquisitor just based on the model, the tie fighter that, it, uh, that he arrived in, mm-hmm. uh, with the, the hemispherical, uh, wing shape.
2: Uh, yeah. That weird prototype.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh,
3: flat on the top. Yeah. But, uh, He does manage to fulfill the thing, and they have life on the planet
1: now. Yeah, continues uh, Mitaka's research and uh, comes up with whatever they needed to do to terraform and uh, created some weather.
3: And for whatever reason, I guess that alerts the uh, Inquisitor, and he comes back.
1: Well, the the alert came from Toby in the T-16 when he was flipping switches and he was playing Jedi, and uh, he inadvertently sent a message. Yes, but that yeah.
3: but that led to the death of the uh, oh, Professor. Right, right, but right, right, right. They never do say why he comes back. Does he just come back to make sure he finished him off or
1: Oh now you have to go back and rewatch it? Because just he comes back and thing.
3: he's like, Oh, there was a second one here, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, then they throw down and
1: But it's funny though because uh Toby goes from being this like I wanna be a Jedi to he is a Jedi. Yeah. Because <clears throat> he there, you notice the one that when he puts the lightsaber together it's hands free. Yeah, it just forcefully. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. We get the exploded view as it springs it apart. Together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool.
3: But then you get at the end of it, it's more of a Transformers moments, like a combiner. Oh yeah. When yeah, uh, yeah. the other droid. Oh,
1: that's right. Uh, gives
3: him a little bit of a soup up, and they put in the Death Strike on the. I got Inquisitor. the Tron.
1: I got a Tron vibe off of this. Yeah.
3: Yeah, heavy. But he's using him as like a jetpack.
1: I love that. Yeah. It was, you know, like. It was a, like your level up moment. It was a Voltron thing, you know, like. Yeah. By your powers combined. <laughs>
3: so he takes out the Inquisitor. He does. Yeah, yeah. Then he kind of falls to the ground. They separate and they're like, are you all right? And he gives a little thumbs up. I love off.
1: that, actually. The th- Just the thumbs up and then they all cheer. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And then he takes off into, uh, into the galaxy with his newly repaired arm. Yeah. And, well, it's uh, not
3: Star Wars if you don't lose an arm.
1: Well, that is true. So 17
2: we get Star Hopper. Sure.
1: Yeah. So we all agree that this one is is certainly the most. Uh, uh, should we say targeted for kid friendly? Yeah,
2: kid friendly. I guess I, I would say so. No, absolutely.
1: I did. I I liked it the second time around. I think the uh, paused it a couple times to have a look at the walls. I think that to me was the most like oh there's a there's history here and this is the way that we sort of figure out where we are in the history and that made it more that was more compelling to me than oh it's just a guy who's hiding it on a planet raising a droid like it's his kid yeah. which right. in it in and of itself is still like oh it's cool you're raising a droid like a human child you know yeah yeah, yeah. but where are we at now we are at episode so- seven we are at episodes seven of nine. Oh, it's a little star trek reference for you this one it's uh the elder centuries after the death of Darth Bane and the initial extinction of the Sith, Uh, Taijin and his Padawan Dan are sent to explore the Outer Rim when Taijin senses a disturbance in the Force. They land on an isolated planet and they arrive at a remote village where they learn of a mysterious Elder Man who hiked onto the mountaintop. Dan follows the Elder's trail and meets the man who reveals himself to be a former Sith who left the Order before it fell apart. The Elder wounds Dan and Taijin arrives to fight the Elder. Taijin narrowly manages to kill the Elder, who turns into a rocky sediment and destroys his ship before he dies. As they leave the village upon Dan's recovery, Taijin tells Dan that being a Jedi means being kind-hearted, uh, so they do not end up like the Elder. Where are we at with this one, guys? What do you think?
3: I like this look, one a lot. This is look, one of my favorite ones. Yeah.
1: There's a couple uh, standout moments for me in this one, uh, one being the the killing blow. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I really liked. And the other one is we've seen Jedi become one with the Force, but we've never seen a bad guy turn to dust before, which right. I think is kind of cool. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I
2: like the alternate take on the Sith eyes on this the bad guy, too.
1: Yeah. 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 It's
2: like black with a single white, yellow pupil.
1: Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Uh, kind of uh, Mil-Lang style from the Port of Protocol.
1: Almost, yeah, very much so, isn't it?
3: So we start off with them cruising through space, so we get introduced to our Jedi and Padawan.
1: That's right, yeah. Uh, Taijin here, played by uh, David Harbour. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool.
3: And uh, we get to the planet, and they remark how, you know, oh, this is a lovely planet. Looked good from space, but looks better on world.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm
3: -hmm. And uh, the Padawan, Dan, he makes quick connection with the kids
1: he does
3: and uh that's a great little scene kind of a nod to uh well i guess it would be jaws
1: they're kind of the drunk
3: scene at the table where he's like back and forth mimicking with his kid
4: yeah
1: right. so. they're, they're kind of like you know they're little kids right like you know how little kids do that they like they'll they'll tee behind your back and as soon as you look they they run away yeah and they kind that's of do right. that this in this scene until he kind of gives them the the wink the little winky winky Yep. yeah which apparently they responded to, so.
2: Yeah. It's kind of like the Jawas that run away from Luke in the in the A New Hope.
1: What do you think of uh, the characterization of Dan at the beginning of this episode, where he's a little, uh, I don't want to say impetuous, but he's eager yes. He's eager to get into something. Yeah. Was. He's looking he hit for the Earth. nail on the
2: head earlier uh, by saying the relationship's so much like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's relationship yep. when we meet them in A Phantom Menace.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Obi Wan, who's like, uh, he's
2: even like, you know, if we see those lightsabers out,
1: yeah, we'll yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, or maybe we'll get to see a Sith, yeah. He's like, you no, no, you don't, <laughs> <this. That laughs> you don't want to see this. That's not the Jedi that. way.
1: He certainly has a reverence, though, for Tai Jin because he makes a, a, a point to tell us now whether that's just him blowing smoke up Tai Jin's robes or whether we're to believe what he says, but he refers to Tai Jin as being the most well traveled Jedi in the order. Like, he's been everywhere.
3: I think he's got some playful banter there going on, because, like, I think he does mean that. Yeah. But then he turns around, and he's like, oh, I'm so thankful to have you as my master. Yeah, almost like, good like good there's a... Yeah.
1: He's
2: like, I'm being sarcastic. He's <laughs> I'm like, going per- to ignore I'm
1: going to pretend that, yeah, I didn't hear that.
2: <laughs> yeah. And sort of a nod to Anakin from A Phantom Menace, where, where he's like, I'm going to be the first one to see them all. Well, maybe we got a guy who's close to that.
1: Yeah, yeah really, yeah.
3: But uh, they get directed to the uh, Sith ship, and Taijin, he says, you know, I don't recognize this class, but it looks like something from a holocron.
1: Yeah, it looks like the old Sith, even says the old Sith style or whatever it is, yeah.
3: Yeah. Dan decides he's going to go up the mountain and see if he can find them.
1: It's interesting, though, because the whole, the whole, uh, uh, the MacGuffin in this is a disturbance in the force. Yes. But only Taijin senses it, not... Dan. Yeah. 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 Right.
3: And I think that's kind of implying his power levels are comparable to the Sith guy. Yeah. Whereas I would, Dan's I would think are so. still, they're not there
2: yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: And there's sort of another thing thematically here because like what we, we know about our Star Wars, if you will, that as you get older, your powers increase. Like you you get more yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, mature, yeah. wiser, you sure, refine sure. them. And this this gives sort of the idea that your powers wax and wane. Yeah. Like when you're a teenager, you're Absolutely. going to get more powerful, and then when you're old, you're, gonna you're peak. going to get less. I right? think and the that,
1: idea of... Uh, that's,
2: a, that's a new take on that.
1: The, to me, I kind of got the whole idea that age age is the great equalizer, that you could be a very powerful Jedi, but eventually you're just... The, the physicality, you just aren't going to be able to compete physically Right. You but, know,
2: and, and it's very opposite of what we see because we see Dooku tune a teenage well, and fully trained Obi-Wan. This is it, they're, right? They're prime. Like, so.
1: And, you know, Yoda at, uh, 800 right. plus years right. old drops his, drops Flipping his, his Gimmer his stick and goes full, you know, buzzsaw. Right. You know? So interesting though.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Neat take. As we get Dan going up the mountain, uh, they come across a, oh, I can't remember what they call that beast, but, uh,
1: Oh, it's a, a Bantha. He says there's a, a Bantha carcass.
3: I thought it was a
2: something else. Oh, I was. Vargon or something like yeah. that. It's a very specific animal to the. Because mm-hmm. it's what the master warns him about, not yeah. the Sith. He's like, there there are these beasts, and if you don't trouble them, they won't charge you. But when they charge you, they're deadly.
1: Yeah. Oh, I could have swore he said it was a Bantha carcass, but I could. I guess I'm wrong on that one. Yeah,
2: but he goes up to investigate Oop. and finds out
3: that, yes, it is a lightsaber. Yeah, cut yeah, that yeah. Disabled it It's and, a clean cut, yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, come on back. But before that happens, uh, the Elder shows up.
2: Yes. Again, with the highly stylized sort of Japanese-style lightsabers. Big
1: time.
3: And this guy is voiced by James Hong, so... There's is that Poe's uh, 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 dad? <laughs>
1: yes, it was Poe's dad in <laughs> yeah.
3: Kung Fu Panda.
1: Uh, so that means that he's also, um, um, oh my God, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. Yeah. 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 Lopan. Lopan, of Lopin. course. Of course. He's such a great actor. a ton of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But uh,
2: dual wielding, as many Sith do.
3: Mm-hmm. He manages to take out Dan pretty damn quick,
1: though. Well, I mean... Uh, the,
2: like the,
3: even remarks, you know, oh, you're not the one I'm here for.
1: No, no. So there, that leans into what you were saying, though, about the, the power level and the sensitivity.
3: Yeah. And uh, in taking him out, he's like, you know, I'm going to lure your master up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And indeed, he does show up. Yes. They face off. and
1: They do face off. You know what I liked about this one, though? There's the how deliberate... The uh, you know like the fight we kind of criticized it in in Star Wars Rebels how short the the final final duel was between Obi Wan and Darth Maul
3: yeah but it's measured
1: that's what I mean though like, like you, and I'm certainly not a student of of uh, ancient sword fighting techniques but like my understanding is that it's this whole thing that we see, like the clashing of blades, is is really very much a Hollywood thing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the like, fact that they go in for the kill, every shot is a, is a kill shot here.
3: Yeah. And don't they say at one point, like, the battle is over before it's even begun? Like, uh, with this maybe. style of fighting? Yeah, yeah, Because, yeah. like, they focus yeah. in on, like, the foot movements and the position. Yes. And,
1: yeah, we see that throughout like, the whole anthology series yeah, where there's a lot there's of, like...
3: Strike, there's, something there's some
1: setup to the to the strike yeah yeah
3: and like uh like taijin said you know i didn't defeat him in that battle no because there was a point where it's the padawan who you know if there wasn't the if
1: there wasn't the distraction of tossing in the 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 extra lightsaber yeah it would have gone very differently yeah but because of that because of the distraction you know taijin and, and like i love that he actually deactivates his saber holds yeah. it up to his chest and then yeah. it's the uh it's the kylo ren versus the uh the the knights of ren where he did the same thing
4: right yeah the
1: hole in his face yeah smoking hole <laughs>
3: enough to put him down but not kill him though
1: no well i mean he's he's definitely dying
3: he's dying but he's got enough time not to not before uh, he uh the switch reaches over and, yeah uh, Blows up, up his ship.
1: Pulls out the key fob. Yeah.
3: Hide the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows what was on the ship that would have given him away.
1: Yeah. Now here's the thing too, right? <laughs> Did this hit me now. Where is Darth Maul's infiltrator? <laughs> hmm. Did he go back for it at some point? Like, is it still just sitting around on Naboo somewhere? Like
3: <laughs> probably in the junkyard over where, uh, The Falcon was sitting. This is what I mean, like Bonjaku.
1: If this is a thing, like there's something to maybe there's like Sith secrets, like Sith alchemy or Sith holocron or something, and that's what he's destroying. But that does, you know, kind of beg the question about these guys. Like the Maul had a very unique ship, his the Sith infiltrator, I think, is what they called it, and uh, presumably he flew it to Naboo. So where is it?
3: Uh, still hidden on Naboo. I
1: guess so. Yeah, yeah.
3: But uh like you guys were saying, we get to see the Sith go to uh
1: go M- to ground. mud, dirt, uh d- dust. What what do you call that? I don't know. Just yeah. it's gross. Sith poop. <laughs> Sith poop. <laughs> 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 oh, that's so good.
2: But uh, why buy a new Sith costume when you could rinse the old one? out <laughs> <laughs> Slightly used. That's right. <laughs>
1: Uh, fits, one size fits most. <laughs> <You're>
3: right. <laughs> and then back at the village, we find out that... Uh,
1: uh, did anybody think that Dan was done in this? Like he was like... I thought he was dead. I, I thought he too. was dead
3: still, until I, when he steps over him and he blinks.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: I, I still
2: think, thought he was dead, and I thought that that lightsaber was, la- was his last... Oh, guy. yeah,
1: the last ditch. Mm. Right. I agree with that. I, I felt the same way as well. Yeah. But then he gets the big pep talk here at the end of the episode about how you know you should know that at some point it's going to go the other way and you're you're going to get he talks about the elder being i probably wouldn't have won if he was younger and yeah. you know right. one day i'm going to be weak and you're going to continue to get stronger and that whole waxing and waning thing
3: well even the elder right. during the duel he's like oh i would have loved to have faced you when, when I, I was, was in my younger prime. yeah
2: yeah yeah right, when right, i was yeah, more right, powerful right. this one is the most sort of straightforward if if you could a, a center line to anime, yeah, where you know you have the extremes, the Astro Boy stuff, and then the high, high realism of, say, Akira. This is the one that's almost like Robotech or Voltron, mm. where it's it's almost that Saturday morning quality of uh pop anime. It, yeah, it works yeah. perfectly here, yeah,
1: yeah, it does. It does overall. I, I guess, uh, again, when we're talking about sort of favorites, I mean, does this is this like in the top fifty percent or the bottom fifty percent for you guys?
3: Top fifty for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's probably, me too. Yeah, it's probably ranks in the top three. Top three eight. episodes? Okay, yeah. that's fair. So that brings us to
1: episode eight. Episode eight again. So this is a, this is an interesting one because this is also one of my favorite episodes for different reasons, and, I, and I'm going to get into it because it's pretty meta. But uh, Lop and Ocho. So this one uh, directed by Yuki Igarashi and written by somebody named Sayawaka. Uh, So during the reign of the Empire, a rabbit-like alien slave named Lop escapes her captors on the planet Tao and is discovered by the planet's clan leader, Yazaburo, and his daughter, Ocho, the latter of whom convinces the former to adopt her as his daughter. Seven years later, the Empire has occupied their planet and is exploiting it for its natural resources. Yasaburo wants to drive the Empire off their planet while Ocho wants to cooperate with the Empire. After uh, failing to convince Yasaburo to join her, Ocho enlists in the Imperial Navy despite Lop's protests. With Ocho gone, Yasaburo passes down the family treasure, an ancient lightsaber given to their ancestor and passed down the generations, to the force sensitive Lop and departs to confront Ocho. Ocho blinds Yasaburo in a fight but lop arrives and injures ocho who is forced to flee lop then vows to return ocho home what do you guys think of this one
3: uh this one kind of caught me off guard a little bit did it cuz yes the saber is passed down from parent to child yeah but at what point does it guarantee
2: that the child is force, force sensitive? sensitive
1: yeah there is no guarantee
2: <laughs> yeah it's almost uh-huh. like the Holding the lightsaber is what gives you the force. In this. He made
1: it sound like in the in the in the uh, the family the, the the pictogram there. He made it sound like the it wasn't just the lightsaber, but it was also the teachings. Yes, which I could buy into. But then there's none of that is tr- is is put on on lop. It's just here's the sword, and now you can use it.
2: This is the only one that I sort of got lost in the narrative too. I I kind of found myself going what 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 just happened. I, I, it wasn't as sort of, you know, there's a time jump too. Yeah. Uh, we, that seven year gap. Yeah. Jump. Yeah. But yeah, I, I kind of got lost in the narrative a bit. Um, for me, though, I kind of like the fact that it was a rabbit character so that we could canonize uh, uh, a rabbit buddy from the Marvel comics. Jackson. Yeah.
1: <laughs> He's a, what is he? He's a, a leppy. Right. So I presume that that is the leppy species. Yeah. yeah, why not? We saw like a a chain gang of them at the beginning of the episode, like they were being used for slave labor. Yeah, because mm-hmm. so. the empire. Yeah, so yeah the collar right on the beginning. Yeah, that's the right.
2: Is and that is a that's an imperial class star
1: destroyer. Too. That is, yeah, yeah. Let's hold that that shot for a second, because this is what I was I was just saying to Andy before. I said part of the reason why I like this episode, and this is where it gets meta for me, is uh, this whole dynamic between Lop and and, uh, and uh, Ocho, to me. If I were to relate this to something that we're all familiar with in canon, to me this is the origin story of Morgan Elizabeth. Oh, very cool. You know what I mean? Like and that's just my that's just my own headcanon saying, "Wow, that would be a, a really cool origin for her to know how we got to that point where she's now, you know, uh, working for the 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 empire or for the remnant still ripping the resources out of the planet to produce whatever." Mm-hmm. You yeah. know. I could see that how idea. that the Morgan Elizabeth character could have been in a similar, uh, a similar, a position. yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah,
2: yeah. Wasn't she the last person on Dathomir though? Wasn't she a Force witch?
1: Yeah, I think that they've talked about she's actually supposed to be a Force witch. I don't, yeah. they, I don't they know if that was ever like. They never the hit episode. it on the nose. Yeah. It was just suggested that she was right, right. in uh, some some behind the scenes stuff. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Certainly, the idea of everyone is relatively decent when they're young to be twisted by things as they're older, you know, that aren't necessarily, you know, on paper, the empire is a good thing. Let's go. she's, she's, this she's is spouting the rhetoric. Right? Yeah, it's we're, a big, big to, dive on that. We need their security. We need their help. And yeah. So,
1: she's drank the Kool-Aid. She believes right. in the, in the new order and that the only way that they are going to prosper as a planet is by supporting them and therefore getting mutually supported. By them, yeah, 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 yeah,
3: because it it basically turns her on her head. Because when they're young, yeah, you know, she's right there. She's like, you know, we found you. We're we're gonna bring you into our family. We're gonna take care of you. We're gonna uh,
1: help you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out here to Sunny Chiba, Dad. Yes, nice. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help but say that it's you know he kind of looks like a little bit like Sunny Chiba. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah.
3: But like, in, she, she's she really is the one that forces his hand. Because she's like, you know, yeah, we're going to in. And he's like, oh, now it would be disrespectful if I didn't take yeah. you in. Right. Yeah, this right, is right, right, right. happening. Yeah.
1: It's funny, though, because he's, you know, the, this opening sequence where she's uh, in the marketplace and she blurts out about how there's lots of food for them. He's like, don't
3: ever say that.
1: Yeah. Like, is that because they're just an upper class family or because, you know, they're they're flourishing where other people are not and they don't want to bring unwanted attention to... the house
3: i think it's more of a don't flaunt your wealth
1: maybe Mm, maybe
4: perhaps because this
3: is still seven years prior to the empire fully moving in right right and like slaves are still technically getting away but yeah
1: don't
2: wave
3: your rings at the homeless people
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah got it got it
3: but uh you know it changes quickly once she's grown up and she's at odds with the father
1: yeah, and I mean it's it's pretty on the nose here, where they basically have a big fight in front of the
3: all the workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's up to Lop to try and
2: you know. Is she wearing a balloon animal on her back? What is that?
1: <laughs> I don't know what that is.
2: Yeah, Some sort of weird it's like butterfly off. wings, or something. Kind of neat.
4: Guess so.
1: Yeah yeah, yeah,
2: yeah,
4: yeah.
3: But she's not in it for long because she switches sides pretty quick afterwards.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I and mean, the symbolic, uh, you know, cutting off the of the braid and then, you know, w- marching forward uh, to join with that officer. Yeah. Which is kind of neat. We've talked about near humans in, in Star Wars before, and now we get a, a look at another near human species that we've probably never seen before you with know, his little
3: half-green ear. Elf
1: and, ears. and
3: Yeah. But he's definitely got a sinister look about oh, him. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. Like, but... uh lop brings back the braid and presents it to the father and
1: yeah and i mean he he rec- this is an interesting little bit of character development for this character who really doesn't have there's only so much you can do in it in what a 15 minute episode yeah. where you know he acknowledges that he was really hard on her and that if it looked like he favored ocho One. you know he apologizes to her and then goes through this whole like you know, explaining the the family lineage and and then the sword thing, and then basically bestows it to her, yeah, to basically carry on. You know the 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 the, house the name. fight, as it were, I guess.
3: So my thought on her instantly becoming, you know, passed on the knowledge. Did yeah. this yeah this scene here with the uh, the ritual yeah is that like a spiritual passing on, or is there something literal literally being passed from him to her? Right. Yeah, that's he interesting. He tells her, like, you know, don't worry about your your science vision. You can see this with your own eyes.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, because she goes to, to put her little... Because uh, she doesn't quite believe her what's tech happening around her. But... thing, yeah, yeah.
3: Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then he just ends with, you know, respectfully accept this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which she does.
1: It's a beautiful-looking lightsaber, by it the is. way, when it's sitting there in the box and it's all yeah. shiny and... Very ornate. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: A little, little red tassel coming off it. Yeah. Then uh, we
3: find uh, Ocho has gone fully, fully bad. She's uh, even big time, sporting yeah. the
2: Empire uniform. Yeah, she's it's the uh,
1: yeah, it's the 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 Krennic uh, outfit essentially.
2: Yeah, yeah so that's high ranking officer. Yeah, too, yeah. Right? The white, but she
3: goes right after her father, and she's he, yelling at him the whole time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I didn't get it if she was actually trying to. Cause initially that first argument, she's trying to, to make her argument about why it's better for them to join them. Is she still, is that an extension of, of that argument here? Or is this like the, I just, I've had enough of you.
2: I think it's the, I had enough of you. Okay. Well, there's a, there's a, there was a scheme too. She like the, what the, what she didn't say was she was trying to sort of trick her father in that moment. Yeah. And then when, that scene where they first meet that officer, she explains yeah. that. Um, I didn't get it done yet, but I will get it done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, that, his terrorist actions. Will oh, be that's right. That's right. right. Yeah. So yeah, they, yeah. They, they view him as a threat and that she's the backdoor and just, you know,
1: I mean, from threat. the, from the perspective of the legal government, I mean, she's not wrong. I mean, right. what he is doing or what he's about to do is a, a it is a terrorist act. Technically, <laughs> yeah. I guess.
3: I mean, hell, all the rebels are terrorists from the well, eyes That's of the true. Empire. That
1: is true. Yes, yes.
3: Guilty. Yeah. But Lop shows up and uh, they have it out, her and Ocho.
2: Again, the stylized blade. Yes. It's like they all got together and went, we're going to all use stylized blades.
1: Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
3: this one more so than the rest because this one actually has little characters emblazoned in the blade. In,
1: yes, I saw that. Oh, yeah.
3: Which tips yeah. her off like, oh, why do you have the, the family, family sword? Blade?
1: Yeah and then she's really angry because she's like it's basically it's mine i'm the heir yeah i like the fact that uh in this fight she actually uh, i don't even know what it's called the the triple segmented thing it's kind of reminds me of one of the one of the uh the the praetorian guard from uh the last jedi they yeah, had a similar sure. looking thing how she actually cuts one of the sections off of it so then yeah. it's down to just two and then she separates right. them it was a pretty cool uh cool fight sequence mhm
3: Oh, I like it. Then uh, you get Lop's last strike,
1: and she picks
3: up her father's Psy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. basically puts an X through Ocho.
1: The Psy, now now, um, uh, Sunny Chiba dad had a pair of them. Yeah. Did it look like they were Kyber crystals at the center of the blades? Uh, Maybe. If you looked close enough, there's definitely a jewel in them. Yes. And I kind of wondered, because the Psy functions very similar to a lightsaber yep. you know even though there's a physical blade there you can see a hint of blue in that uh in the yeah, in the blade there so can. interesting too i thought she'd fallen to her death and for a second when she comes up here on the deck of this ship i actually thought it was uh i thought it was a vt 49 decimator which is oh, a, which cool. is a ship that was uh introduced in star wars galaxies and then uh, is it part of the uh, Star Wars Armada tabletop miniature game? But it's not. Right. It's uh, what is it? The uh, Avenger Avenger Corvette, hmm. I think it is. Yeah, which we see those in the uh, in the uh, the Star Wars Squadrons game. Hmm. Yeah. So overall, cool Good. episode. Yeah. I, I I like the idea. To me, this one fits really well. As I said, I don't know why I went there, but uh, you know, to me, this is sort of the. Oh, the Morgan Elizabeth kind of thing, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, how yeah. how somebody could be co-opted into buying into the idea of what the empire is.
2: Mm. Radicalized.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that brings us to the last episode. Now this one, uh after having a second viewing of all the episodes, this is the the bottom one for me.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um story-wise, I didn't mind it, but the soundtrack just I could not deal with it.
1: No, I I had a hard time. The, the, uh, the visual style on this one was the hardest one for me to watch. Uh, so, this one, it's uh, Akakiri. Akakiri, I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Is uh, directed by, uh, so from C- uh, Science Saru uh, Studios. This one's uh, directed by Yunyong uh, Choi and written by uh, Yuchiro Kido. So, prior to the initial extinction of the Sith, a Jedi named uh, Subaki. Who has been suffering from visions of an unidentified individual dying in front of him, reunites with his old love Misa, a princess who has uh, been overthrown by her dark side wielding aunt uh, Masago.
2: With the aid I made, mis- I made a mistake earlier. This is the one where I got lost in the
1: narrative.: Is it okay?
2: This is the one that was confusing to me. Yeah.
1: Uh, with the sure. aid with the aid of guides uh, Senshu and uh, Kamahachi, Subaki and Misa make their way uh, to the royal palace. Masago captures Tsubaki's friends and overpowers him, then attempts to uh, convince him to join her as her apprentice. When Subaki refuses, Masago's masked henchmen attack him. Tsubaki kills them, but also accidentally kills Misa, dressed in their uniform just as he had foreseen. And completely broken, Tsubaki agrees to join Masago, forming a dyad to resurrect Misa and then departs. This to me was a, a retelling of the uh, the Anakin uh, Palpatine relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, saving Padme. Only this time they actually deliver on that one. You know, they actually do resurrect her. Which that in itself is is interesting. I don't know. I just I didn't like it. I didn't like it that uh, you know he. Oh, maybe that's just me, and I'm I'm kind of black and white when it comes to these things. You know, the good guys wear right. white hats, the bad guys wear black, and and you know the mm-hmm. the good guys. And maybe that's what makes the these things a little bit more human is that, you know, the good guy's not supposed to, they're not supposed to turn to the dark side.
3: But you he know? did it with the best of intentions.
1: He did do it with the best of intentions. Now, is he going to be able to come back from that? I don't know. I think so. Are we ever going to see that character again?
2: <laughs> Probably not.
1: I don't think so. I don't think so.
3: But uh, When he shows up, you know, he's ready to go.
1: He is. Yeah, it's go time. His uh, visions, though, did you notice that they're not just like emotionally painful; they are physically painful. Yeah, that's a new thing.
3: Yeah, they're uh, they're what caused him to lose focus and lose this particular battle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're able to get the jump on him and And these weird new looking aliens. I was gonna
1: say the coolest thing of this episode was the close up of the uh, the ostrich horse thing uh, at the beginning when they're when they're like full running. I'm like, oh, that's a cool looking horse. Thing <laughs> mm.
3: so we get to meet our princess in the cave because it turns out she and her friends rescue him with yeah, a barrage yeah, yeah. of arrows,
1: right? And then, so they we have the do we get the flashback?
3: Uh, not yet. We oh,
1: okay, we're not at the flashback, yeah. yet. okay? But
3: we do meet the two guides who are basically the comedy relief in here, but
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're okay, they're, and I say that in the sense that they're just okay, yeah, you know what I mean.
3: They're, they're, they're your standard uh, no fighting and we'll turn on you characters.
1: Uh, Yeah, we would leave you hanging high and dry. Once you know. they get
3: to that canyon that they're like, no, we don't want to go that way. Yeah. And she's like, okay, I'll pay you.
1: Yeah, she throws in like, the extra money.
3: Yeah. And he's like, no, no, we'll do it for more than that. But, right. But the vision keeps coming to him and uh, it's a really cloudy vision.
1: You get the sense that something is happening and then as he has it a couple of times yeah. And, and then it's not until the end, I think, when you see the, the slits on the, the helmet visor, yeah. where it's the, the reality of what he's done.
3: Because yeah. normally they get clearer the closer you get to the to event. It.
1: Yeah, right? yeah, yeah.
3: But I didn't find that they got super clear. Not really, no. But as they arrive at the palace, then she has a flashback. Of, it's the uh,
1: whole, it, it's the Anakin Padme thing all is, over again, where totally he's that. he's been assigned to... To protect her, to watch over her. Right. No. Yeah.
2: She's literally a princess
3: as well.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: But it's not too long until she is captured. And, no,
1: exactly. Uh,
3: the initial clash between the new uh, Sith Lord and,
1: uh, and him. It's pretty one-sided. It is. It's it's really, really one-sided.
3: I don't know that she's fully gone over, though, right? Uh, I, I don't know. Because he does put them put him in a position where he's going to strike... Yeah. And ends up fulfilling his vision,
1: and which she totally can, const- like, she, she masterminded. Yeah, that. absolutely. Completely constructed.
3: But, you know, she's like, we can save her. It's not yeah, too late. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We can do it together.
3: Yeah. And, uh,
1: even at uh, Legacy Line, uh, I'll do whatever you want, my master.
3: Yeah. Right. As long as you save her. Yeah. yeah and yeah, then, yeah. like you said, she does follow through. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. They bring her back. Whereas Palpatine didn't, just does that mean, like, he was fully evil? I don't know. And her, you know.
1: Yeah, and then, like, un, you know, ceremoniously, he just kind of up and leaves.
3: Well, he's followed through, they've resurrected her, she's safe now. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And technically, the best thing for him to do now is to get her off-planet. Like, that, get that Sith I, Lord as far yeah, away.
1: I guess. Because, I mean, you know. really,
3: if he's turning to the dark side, he will eventually betray her.
1: Do we think that he's, uh, you know, yeah, I mean ultimately that's kind of the the Sith thing, but do we think that's actually what's going to happen there? Eh, Maybe. Can you bring that up for a second? The idea
2: that he, like, you know, the Dark Empire style thing where he wanted to defeat the problem from the inside.
1: What are we looking at there? Is that a new class of ship or is that an old Acclimator class uh, uh, assault ship? Maybe. Hard to say. I don't know.
3: Reminiscent of a destroyer, but.
1: I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say it one more time. This was my least... This is my least favorite.
4: Yeah,
3: definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah the yeah. Uh, highs and lows. The clay drum soundtrack throughout it just ruined it for me. Oh, uh, yeah, hard I'll hard give on.
1: you that too. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a hard watch.
3: Yeah, but
1: uh, well, that was Akakiri, and yeah. that's a nine of nine. So, yeah, uh,
3: I'd, I'd say overall they did really well.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off. I guess I, as we kind of wind down here, I would just want to say that. Again, as we started off, if you have not taken a look at this uh, yet, as a Star Wars fan, you really do sort of owe it to yourself to go yeah. back and have a look at it. I mean, y- you're going to like what you like, and you're going to not like what you don't like. But in terms of, you know, can I even call it an, an experiment? I don't know.
3: I think so. An exercise.
1: Let's call it an exercise. In terms mm. of this exercise of telling Star Wars stories in a different medium, I, for me, this is a success. Yes. In, as a whole totally successful do we think there's room to do this again in another style maybe a more western animation or it possibly certainly
2: it lets you know that we can be non canon and do whatever we want and enjoy it
1: i agree with keep you
2: keep going that. guys i got I got 5 seconds but keep going okay yep
3: yep even to the point where even if it is canon it's yeah. not just there's not just three people in the galaxy right
1: Right, right, right.
3: There there are a universe worth of stories to be told.
1: Yeah, and this is it, you know, like to, to see Star Wars stories that are not necessarily... Uh, you know, linked to again, the, the main narrative or that's the Skywalker saga.
3: There's other stuff
1: happening and it is interesting. And I think, you know, the, the, they tried to do that with the uh, star Wars story films, you know, with uh, rogue one, but again, even rogue one, it connects directly to the, the main narrative. And then with solo, I mean, it's an origin story. Yeah. If this works well, you know, and, and and Disney and Lucasfilm, you know, are happy with the, the streaming results, hopefully they do take this as a as a indicator that we can go off and we can do other other things in in uh in other mediums.
3: Even or, if they just like revisit this whole idea and give it to the studios again and say, continue your story.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. There's been talk about will there be a season two? And what would a season two look like? I mean, first of all, do we think that we should get a season two of star Wars visions?
2: Maybe I'd watch another one uh, easily.
1: Would you, now this is just a generalized question for everybody here. Would you want another anthology series of, of just new stories or would you like to see some of these uh, season one stories fleshed out more continued?
2: There's one I wouldn't mind seeing more of, and that's the ninth Jedi. I'm Uh, I'm right with you on that one. I kind of like the idea of of just more and more standalone stuff. Yeah, and you, you, I also got the impression that they put like an open call out to like, hey, animation studios in Japan, yeah, or, yeah. take a kick at the can, and then they maybe picked out of a hat the ones they liked.
1: Sure, so sure. I,
2: I, I get the feeling that there are already more. That's quite possible. Ether. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the
3: 10,000 submissions received, these
2: are the, the ones are top we're getting, nine. Yeah, yeah. the nine. But sure. certainly it was a hard choice, and we've got another nine ready to go. And there's season. more. Should yeah this work. Yeah. Should yeah, we get yeah, yeah. The numbers we want, right? So.
1: Well again, I mean, these streaming services have some of the best, you know, uh uh you know, they they've got their numbers immediately. They know who's watching what yeah, when the they're watching it, right so yeah. I mean, not that we'll ever be privy to that, <laughs> but I would be curious to know. <laughs> Looking mm. at you guys. <laughs> All right guys, what do you think?
3: I think that was video Thumbs up for me.
1: Uh is definitely a thumbs up for me as well. Mm. Man, I, uh, I'm completely rudderless here right now because we've got one more, uh, one more episode of, uh, what, what if? if, uh, that's going to, going to roll out, uh, this Wednesday, this Wednesday coming, and then we're Think back in crazy. So I guess next, uh, the next episode is going to be part three of our, uh, so what? what, uh, look at Marvel Studios, uh, what if, before we close out, uh, just as I said before, you guys get a chance, uh, if you haven't seen Venom, let there be carnage. Uh, do it soon because you are gonna. It, it'll be impossible to avoid the spoilers on the postcard scene. <laughs> and damn it, I need to be able to talk about this. <laughs>
2: yes, absolutely.
1: Uh, all right, guys. Absolutely. Well, once again, thanks for uh, sticking it out with us. Uh, all technical difficulties uh, aside, hope you enjoyed the show. And uh,
3: if you like what you see, like and subscribe. We Come are back for more.
1: We are coming up on our uh, first year uh, anniversary of uh, of being a show. So. Uh, you know, for those of you who have been with us from the beginning, thank you. For those of you who are just uh, tuning in now, thank you for choosing us. We we love you all. And, uh, well, for Fandom Power, I'm Wes.
3: I'm Andy. I'm
1: Hank. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye for now.
0: Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.
1: Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you wanna say?